just fucking love fucking that so much. It's so stupid kid shit. This is the Imperial Schools of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Folan. And I am Jay Baxter. And we are going to be bullshitting about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. Magap plucking our nostalgia strings today. We're hopscotching through my very first issue of Nintendo Power when I was just a wee tot, issue 11. You can find the issue on archive.org if you want to look at the shit we're looking at. I'll drop the link in the show notes, as I always do. Please rate and review the podcast if you like the shit that we're doing here. It makes us feel great about ourselves. And first up is what we're jamming on now. Jay, what are you jamming on now besides that Outriders thing behind you right now? <laughs> in, what in, else in addition to, in addition to. <laughs> I mean, first of all, this game is amazing. I mean, is it not? Like, I'm telling you, like, I can't say enough about it. Like, when you get farther into this game, Outriders, you... The class abilities are just, the way it's done is just so well. You know, you're able to get multiple modifications to your gear, which modify those skills. So you can decide, like, if you want to add more damage to them or extend their duration or trigger them multiple times. You can kind of stack these modifications. And so you're able to kind of, like, really plan your strategy each time you go into a battle. And it's so easy to do it. Like, some games crafting is like this heavy like cumbersome process and it's just it's just so well done and it's just it's a fun game like despite everything it's a blast so i could talk about the game freaking all day long <laughs> all day long um other than that playing super mario world 3d like we're on world 7 now so that's a game like i've talked about it before it's just like an updated version of Super Mario 3 slash Super Mario World, like, it's it's just really fun. And it's multiplayer um, and 3D, so it's a blast. And then, from time to time, just playing a little ESO, you know. Of course, of course. Picking it up, you know. I, I haven't been able to put it I feel like, it I feel like I've seen, I feel like I've seen a surge of support for it or something. Like, are they, they, like, I don't know. I'm not tuned in enough, but I feel like I see it a bunch right now. Uh, and I feel people like I feel like I hear people talking about it on the podcast circuit and shit, uh, and that's weird because it's such an older thing. I feel like why would people yeah. be talking about it? Well, right now? it did. I think maybe it's because it did recently become the like most played MMO in North America or something like surpassing mm-hmm. World of Warcraft or whatever the previous high was. So maybe that's it. And it also had like a big revamp to its champion system. So whenever you're a veteran player, right. you're doing all the in-game content. You mentioned yeah. there was a change, yeah. in, and I was like, you know, I think this all kind of has some cor- correlation. <laughs> and, and it was significant, so they changed a bunch of stuff and made it a lot, you know, better, in my opinion. And so it just made it more interesting, in addition to, you know, some more content as you would normally get in uh, the never standard release. So, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun enough, especially if there's people who are coming back to it. And I think that's also the thing, like, because of that, People that I used to play with back in our Elder Scrolls Guild days also started playing again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
It's kind of like, hey, how you doing? You're kind of like hanging out with your old friends catching again, up. picking up the old catching stuff. up in the dungeons. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's cool. That's pretty much it, man. What about uh, yeah. you? Uh, I did. So I was playing that Pillars of Eternity, and I kind of weaned off that a little bit. It's just I don't know. Like it's just a, it's just a lot. And it's hard to fucking. Maybe I'll go back to it, but I in, in trying to find something that's kind of like that, like my main quest of sorts um, on the Xbox, I started replaying Fallout New Vegas, uh, and I did it on, I'm doing it on survival mode for the first time. Okay. So, you know, that means you got to eat, deal with water and shit, and it's just like a higher level of management, you know, with the character, and, and that has made it interesting. And it's been so long, like I've, I haven't played it in years, so I don't recall everything, and that's you know obviously a nice touch. So I'm I'm not gonna say like you know there's very few things that like if I really get into that are just like never seen that before. But you know it's not like the second I walk up to someone I don't know what to do, and that is you know as as much as you can ask for a replay of a game that you hundred percented at some point. You know what I mean? So I'm playing a lot of that. I try. I I had that download surge when I got Fallout New Vegas actually, where I got I got Wolfenstein on Game Pass. And it's, I tried it, man. It's like, it's, it's like every other dickhead modern FPS and it's just no fun at all. (laughs) Despite like, you know, that's despite an obvious amount of just insane development and effort and money put into it. You can just see that they spent so much money to make this thing happen, but it was so boring. (laughs) You know, like the opening sequence. Yeah. The opening sequence was cool. And like, you know, I don't know. I think there's been a couple Wolfenstein installments since the original, which is the last one that I really played with any amount of, um, you know, real focus. And, you know, there's just a lot of you know, the enemies were, I don't know, there's just uh, like, like the opening was big ass robot dogs or something. They were like, I don't know, it was, like it, it was, you know, it, was, it became a little surreal. Like it had this, the opening sequence was like, you're in a plane and you're like doing this dog fighting stuff. And you get shot down, and you're trying to save the people that you got shot down with and shit. And I don't know, it was just like, I I don't know, it didn't feel, I don't know, like Wolfenstein and Doom and those er, those early FPSs are just, you just run and gun. You're just going and, like, shooting shit. And, like, this was like, I had to fucking going under things. Just like, it was was more, it was like a bad stealth game is kind of what it felt like. You know what I mean? <laughs> As opposed to... Like they were trying a, to do different stuff and it just didn't really work out. Yeah, it's just not It's not why I want to play that game. Like, you know, if I, I would play a game that is more geared towards that and done from the ground up and good <laughs> if I wanted to play that kind of game, you know? And I don't know. And, and then when I got to the run of gun parts, it, was, it wasn't any fun either. So, yeah, I fucking I deleted it after, you know, maybe an hour of fucking with it. I think I looked at like play footage of that, you know, when I saw it was on Game Pass or whatever, and I just looked at it and I was like, eh, pass. Yeah, like you know, and that's you know what you talk about, uh, not Pillars of Attorney. Um, I was talking about that, not you. The the Outriders, and that's kind of my thing with Outriders. Like, there's you know, I get, I I know, I understand that those developments, those those skill trees and stuff are. And I've heard good things said about those two, just in relation to what's available to you in an FPS normally. And I can see how that is higher level than most FPSs would be. But it's like there to me, it's just minutia. It's just minutia that does not. It doesn't affect the game. Experience. I feel like I feel like at the level you're at, it doesn't 
Like you haven't got there yet. Like you haven't I done see it for sure. Like I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, fucking what three four hours if, if that <laughs> maybe not even that you know. So I can see that being the case. And if you got further down the tree, maybe it would, you know, it would be a a, a more of a differentiation. I heard that one of the things I did here that I was saving. We were bullshitting about this before we jumped on. Uh, I think it was the. Uh, cheap ass gamers podcast we're talking about it that the it's i guess it's a pretty big story that the network stuff was just a nightmare from the release yeah have you heard yeah, this but or? i mean it's it's been great now though like for me like it. i've been having no problems yeah it, like that first those first couple of days yeah failing all the time but since then i've had like no problem i've been jumping in like with a guy from uh from our old elder scrolls guild like he's been jumping in and playing with me from time to time hanging out like it's been pretty smooth ever since yeah Word, yeah, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it, but it is a it's, shoot, shoot, shoot. But dog. once you, but once you get into the stuff, though, I'm telling you, you'll get more, like, because you'll want to rely on those skills, those abilities, much more than your guns. So I would, I would say, like, in the beginning, it was, like, 90-10 guns versus skills. But right now, I'm easily, like, 70-30 skills versus gun usage. See, but then it gets, in, it gets into then, like, you have fucking memorized them. And I'm just not geared. But there's only that, three like... of them. Like, it's really three abilities. So it's like, I know what these three do because there's nothing else. You know what I mean? They're so differentiated. Okay, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I think, I think that was the thing with Wolfenstein, it's, too. It, like, a bunch of shit. I'm like, it's just, I can't. Yeah. I don't care, man. <laughs> I don't want to learn think, a whole new system like that. I think that's the thing that I like about this because... Like Destiny, which I like, it's fun. That is like you're shooting, like you're shooting all the time. Like in, unless you have your special ability, you're you're shooting a gun, which is fine if you're in the mood for that. But I like where this, I'm not relying on that. Like there's often times I'm just like skill blast, like eruption, and because I'm like a fire guy, it doesn't feel like I'm playing a shooter. You know what I mean? Maybe with yours, because you're a technomancer, yours is more like weapon type stuff. So maybe if you switched it up and tried one of the other classes, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I did. who knows what the fuck? I mean, who knows? I, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> they all, you know, I mean, they're because you know, mine they're, is all like mine is like wizard type stuff. Like I'm making eruptions happening, a magma fly, and volcanoes. Like I'm not like shooting a gun unless I'm shooting one of my guns. Right, right. I'd be surprised if any of the classes didn't have, you know a full manifestation of whatever their tangent is, you know, and you had to rely on your gun. That would surprise me, but whatever. I'm not, a, I'm not totally, opposed <laughs> to it, but I, I was definitely not nearly as jazzed as you. Uh, Anyhow, uh, I had to bus home for a few days for some family shit, uh, about a five hour flight. So I downloaded the late, basically the 2021 end of season Tecmo ROM from, and I actually got it from TecmoBowl.org, which when we were talking about this last time, TecmoBowl.org had shut down and they weren't, I had to like find another one early in the season when I got it. And I guess whatever, you know, I don't know if it was legal or not. I guess I don't have any idea. My guess is that it was legal, but they are now they, they have their, you can download it right from techmobile.org again. So that was cool. So yeah, so I basically got the end of season one. So Josh Allen was fucking NFL, rec, you know, NFL record book, uh, wrecking, <laughs> uh, good, which was, which was awesome. So I play, I played damn near a whole season that on the, on the flight. So that was, um, Fun, and I played a bunch of that. And while I was back in Ohio, dude, I started collecting football cards again. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah, like Jab and I got a uh, just a hair up our ass. We we're like just trying to fucking do something to take our minds off shit, and and went to there's a flea market there, Jamie's flea market in near Oberlin, and I was like, because I had we dropped in. I used to go to this. The, me and my uncle used to go to this this B and B sports cards in 
uh, Lakewood, Westlake, west side of, of Cleveland. And we used to go there all the time when I was in high school and like rip packs and shit. I would go through with singles. Fucking, I, that's how I got every Bills card ever pretty much was going through these guys, this guy's singles boxes. I used to go there all the time and just hang out with him. My uncle vibed. Uh, he's a cool dude. So we stopped in there, and I hadn't seen the guy in 20 years. And, like, my uncle will still talk to this guy every now and again, and they'll talk about me and you know, Josh, yada, yada, yada. And this guy, Bob, was like, oh, fucking started saving Bill stuff for me. And he had, you know, whatever. And he kept telling me he was going to send it to or kept telling my uncle he was going to send it to me. And then, you know, so whatever. We decided that we were driving by. We decided to drop in. I haven't seen this guy in 20 years. I drop in and start bullshit with him, you know. And he's fucking he spends the whole time he's looking for this box that he's supposedly been saving for me for 20 years. And he's just looking. He's just, <laughs> the, this guy, it's just, dude, this, he's standing in the same spot. Like, I haven't seen this guy in 20 years. I haven't been in this car shop in 20 years. He is standing in in the same fucking spot he would stand in at all times 20 years ago so like nothing has changed in the store there's still some of the shit like 1991 upper deck full set boxes and stuff I'm like, just, <laughs> nothing has changed in this card shop in 20 years which was hilarious but so i got in there and i started you know just a fucking i was like i want to just rip a pack or two you know jay have you when's the last time you bought football cards oh my gosh dude like 1990 i would say 1992 but no probably more like 1994 will probably be the absolute latest. So the 90s. So I. Uh, so not any time recently. So you don't know that football card packs are hundreds of dollars now. Do you know that? What? No. Right. Yeah. Dude. What? Some of the boxes are thousands of dollars from the manufacturer. This is not resale. They come out of the manufacturer at wholesale prices for thousands of dollars. Some of them. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, the cheap, okay, so the cheapest fucking pack that he had was, yeah, I think it was Score were $11.99, and there was another one that was $17.99, and those were like the, you know, they were like bullshit, awful sets that, and those are the only two, but everything else, you could even buy packs, because they're so expensive, you just have to buy them by the box now, like, insane, dude, fucking, some of, you know, some of those boxes will have, you pay hundreds of dollars, and they'll only be, Six packs with four cards each in them, or something like that. It's fucking the card market is fucking insane, dude. It is absolutely batshit insane. So yeah, I ripped a couple packs of those bullshit things, and I happened to pull a Josh Allen insert card out of the one. Like I bought the one pack that had like twenty cards in it or something. I rip it, I go through it, and I'm like, Bob, you're fucking me, man. There's no bill. There wasn't any bills in that first pack. I was like, you're fucking me here. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I, he's like, I don't know, man. I don't put them in the packs. <laughs> And so my uncle buys a pack of the other one, and I think that one had a, like, I think it was like a 40 card were in that pack. It's weird, dude, like, even, like, inside the pack, they're not just randomly collated. Like, even inside a 40 card pack, there was, like, a whole section of rookie cards, a section of base cards, a section of insert cards, which is, you know, it's just, I think it demonstrates... There's just like a different thing going on with the manufacturers. They like have a different mm-hmm. understanding of the product they're selling now than when we used to collect as kids when it was just like widgets coming off a line. Whatever. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, they have an understanding of the value of these things now and certain things being more valuable than others. It's and in like 30% regular cards, 10% these cards. Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. So, anyways, I, I pulled a Josh Allen fucking insert card, something or other, TD dive or some shit out of the one. And I'm like, oh, fucking, I don't know. It just like sparked a thing in me. And we go to this fucking. We go to this uh, flea market, and I was like, so I like I like set boundaries for myself. I'm like, I'm only gonna collect rookie cards. I'm only gonna get his rookies, you know, because there's a million fucking sets now, dude. There's a million sets, you know. I actually bought the other day. I ordered off of eBay a the one of the Beckets, the the December Beckett has Josh Allen on it, right? 
So this from this past December. So I ordered that one just so I have a list of all the 2018 Josh Allen's because it's like trying to find it on the internet. I can't like I can't make heads or tails. Every card has like 40 variations. You know, there's a million inserts and in every there's just so fucking much that I literally had to b- buy a list basically off eBay just to have an idea of what I'm collecting. But yeah, so basically only 2018 fucking Josh Allen. So like I've spent so I I, I sold that new mutants I got. Uh, for 400 bucks, <laughs> but basically financing at least the beginning because I will definitely end up spending more than 400 bucks probably on, on Josh Allen cards because he's you know he's pretty fucking hot right now and they're expensive in general. So yeah, I spent I probably dropped I don't know maybe a hundo at the flea market on those handful of them and those are all like lesser ones. And I've gotten home and I've started fucking spending 50, 60, 70 bucks on some of them on eBay. And dude, I mean, there are dude, there are cards on there that are like 1500 bucks, you know, like thousands of dollars. Well, I mean, the one. There was one that sold recently. It was in the news that was like six hundred grand. A Josh Allen. The graded ones obviously cost more when you get them PSA graded, but still, I mean, a six hundred thousand dollar Josh Allen card. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? What? Yeah. What? What in the fuck? Right. And then, you know, Josh. That's Josh Allen is hot, but he's not the hottest fucking player. There are. I'm sure there are players that fucking are selling for way more than that. In fact, I know there are. I know there's like Pat Mahomes and shit. Tom Brady's that are selling for. Millions and millions and millions of dollars, like graded ones, PSA tens, you know. So, yeah, wow. that's thing is, is like I literally I have like forty seven auctions I'm watching on eBay all the time, getting notifications and like. Uh, <laughs> have you ever bought anything on eBay? I want to have this diatribe too. Have you ever bought anything on eBay? Dude, a long time ago. I haven't used eBay like in years. I feel like it was something I used back in like our twenties, and then like I was like, yeah, it's out of style. I just never use it again. Uh, it's but clearly, it's definitely it's not clearly still. Yeah, there's a mark on there. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. To me, I was going to ask you, like, do you bid on things before? I mean, there's no, this is like blows my fucking mind. So, like, these auctions are three, five, seven days, whatever you pick in the app. And the idea of bidding on something before, no joke, dude, six seconds left in the thing. Is oh, yeah. It's, you got to wait till the very end. Fucking, yeah. And the, every one of these cards has 20 bids on it with days left. And I'm like, who is the fucking moron? You know, unless it's literally just trolls that, that don't want to win it, which is also insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trying to mess up the bidding? Like, you know, right. like, you know? what other reason? I, yeah, I just like, I, you know, I sit there and like, you know, a minute or two left, I'll fucking pull up the thing and I'll put in the amount that I'm willing to pay and just sit there and wait. Because at the top of the bid thing, you can they have a little line that says time left, current bid, and how many bidders there are at the top there. And you can just watch real time, so you can watch it count down to the seconds, you know, and just hit confirm bid with seconds left. And you're like, yes, if your amount isn't enough to whoever else has put in a higher thing, then you're not going to win it doing that. But you shouldn't, I mean, bidding with on a motion like that is insane. None of these things are one of a kind so like you should just if you know have your amount that you're willing to pay and then put that in but if you put it in days before you're just driving the price up and like i just can't like i, li- I just i literally i watch it happen especially the ones like just a couple minutes from you know like from the uh, end of the just like who is the fucking moron like who is <laughs> the fucking moron doing that like oh uh, it's just fucking it's the most incredible like i just i cannot come up with a rationale Again, other than just being a troll, which is insane. There can't be that many trolls on eBay. There's just, there's just no way. <laughs> like, I just cannot come to grips with what kind of fucking complete dipshit 
is <laughs> do- like believes that it's it's even somehow productive to be bidding on things before the end. Like, I just don't get. I I can't understand it. I I, I wanna. I wish that. I I feel like there needs to be a fucking PSA. Like there needs to be like. I don't know, like a fucking <laughs> something needs to happen. Like the PSAs of people, I don't know if you've seen it. Like I, I, I'm hearing a lot of radio ads and seeing ads on YouTube and shit for telling people to not, I heard it whole time I was in Ohio on the radio a bunch for people not to stop on railroad tracks. This is a thing what? now. People are dying on railroad tracks. And it's like, what do you mean people are dying on railroad tracks? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what do you mean people are stopping on railroad tracks? Like, who is stopping <laughs> on railroad tracks? Where you need to make a PSA that I'm hearing on the radio. Who is the fucking idiot? And why are you sad we're losing them from the team pool? Like, let them go, man. Like, fucking Darwinism all the way on that. Like, you got to be kidding me, man. You know, if you're stopping on the railroad tracks, like... You're, Wait, how many of you? You're dragging you? something else down too. That's not the only place you're failing. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, give me a fucking break. We do not need to spend money. Like, there are air, wherever whatever money was spent on that PSA, I am just universally certain that there is a better application of those dollars in the world that we live in than saving whoever is going to stop on those railroad tracks. Like, it's just you know what I mean? Like, fucking. Oh my gosh. Category to me, whatever. <laughs> uh, la- lastly, uh, the retro action, uh, because again of its constant appearance in the mullet counselor sections and multiple nominations on the 89 Nintendo Power Awards, I finally just said fuck it and started playing the Guardian Legend. And uh, you know, we're never gonna fucking, we're never gonna, we're never gonna do a game episode, it's way too much for that. And there's not enough literature, and I don't think it's right for a side quest, so it's kind of just like Metroid. I mean, this was, it was before you jumped on the pod, but I did Metroid with this too. I was like, we're just, it's too much for a game app. We're never going to play it. We weren't even doing side quests then. So I was like, I'm just going to fucking play Metroid on my own. And just because I've never beat it, and I feel like I should if I'm going to fucking this part of this little quest I'm on here with the podcast. So yeah, I started playing that, and I'm doing it via stream on Facebook uh, an hour and here and there at a time. So by all means, listeners drop in and tell me what I'm doing wrong because I'm definitely doing plenty. The first day I was playing. Like, I was, you know, Yuri in particular, dude. That dude, Yuri, is that motherfucker knows everything about every video game, dude. Everything. You know, every, <laughs> every video game. He's got, like, insightful shit. Uh, so, yeah, so please drop in and tell me what the fuck I'm doing wrong. Because it is, I, I've kind of gotten a handle on it now. But it was, at first, like, a very steep learning curve to get an idea what the hell was going on. Um, See, so yeah, I'm doing that mostly in the morning, just for, like, an hour on days I have. Pacific time. U.S. Pacific time mornings. And... So, yeah, I, I ended up hitting a wall, and, I mean, at first, it was probably like 30 minutes or so I was playing it, and I, so I did a manual skim, so I did that groundwork, you know, so I wasn't going into it completely blind, but I did the manual skim, and even in, after that, dude, there's, like, some things I didn't get, but I was able to, like, get, you know, sometimes you try to just jump into these games, you know, especially one with a lot of, lot to it, mm-hmm. it can be very easy to be like, no, I just, it's too, I can't, it's too old, I can't dedicate the emotion to get into this you know what i mean that's often the hurdle with a game like this Uh, i'm sure we're you're experiencing with ultima but you know yeah (laughs) exactly so like you know that was that i didn't that that didn't happen to me here like i was immediately invested and i thought that was like that's a good sign you know because like it does it opens up on that flying shmup thing like you don't even start on that overworld map you start on a flying shmup thing which should be for me like huge turnoff, but it's the smup shit is really well done. And the idea that, you know, again, too, when you get these games that try to diversify the gameplay styles, you usually get like two shitty things as opposed yeah. to 
You know what I mean? And in this case, like the flying shmup thing is fucking. It's one of. It may be the best flying shmup on the NES. In all honesty, time that out. Ass- time out. What? Dude. Yes. As good as Life Force. Dude, I played this. Like I don't know. It it definitely came up months ago on something because I played it and thought, okay, it's flying. There's no way Josh is even going to like consider this one. And I. Because I opened back up and I had saved, like, because I had died flying, and I was like, "Yeah, we're never going to play this. I'm moving." <laughs> so you didn't even get out of the. No, the no, fun. I just died. Yeah, I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. I, yeah, it's not like it's the first one's a breeze too. I'm pretty sure I died on that very first one and had to restart. So yeah, it, it does not, you know, it's it doesn't hold your hand. And it's difficult, and I've died a bunch. And yeah, so I mean, I had that first play session. I was like, okay, I'm into it, and I got into the second play session, and I hit a wall, and I I didn't. I was I was fighting a boss at this uh fucking crawdad thing in one of the whatever the boss battle, and you know, I I, I was cursing for like 30 minutes straight oh fuck couldn't do it fucking pissed off you know so i was like fuck this i need to do more research so like yeah i, I again i had enough emotional investment to bust out the nintendo powers and go through them one by one trying to find some information it's, helpful okay. you know? and issue nine has a four-page preview that has like the first three or four worlds in it and taught me so many there's, there's like just one simple mm-hmm. example some of the screens you walk on You'll walk onto on the overworld uh, when you're the person, not the ship, and you'll walk onto the screen, and oh, an alarm plays like, and then after a few seconds, blocks start appearing to wall off the exits. So every time that's happened to me before I read the Nintendo Powers, I was like, "Fuck!" and just ran off the screen and got, you know, ran past the thing that the wall that was forming. And you don't want to do that. Like I read in the fucking Nintendo Power, that basically creates a little mini boss arena, and you beat the mini bosses and you get power ups and pickups and stuff. Ah. Better, you know. So I had I basically skipped all of those up to the first third with the third world or something, you know. So like, I read that, I was like, "Fuck!" So I got to go back and do all that. So like I learned a few things that made it more accessible. And sure enough game got easier and i'm rolling again and yeah i think i'm, I'm pretty sure i'm gonna stick with it it's it's pretty fucking fun and cool too honestly you, looking at the nintendo power it occurred to me for the stream to build a manual or not a manual i'm sorry a, a mag window on the thing so the stream now my stream build now has a nintendo like a, a, a window for the read the cbr reader so whatever mag i'm looking at for whatever game i'm playing I can have open there for the for the viewer to watch, which you know, uh, yeah, I watch cool. a million. Yeah, I don't watch a million streamers, but I'm guessing that's a, probably a rather unique streaming thing. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of fucking cool too. So so yeah, so I'm gonna have the you know whatever fucking I'm using, whatever literature I'm using for the game while I'm streaming, I'll fucking have that open on right underneath the um, nice ham cap window, which is pretty fun. So yeah, so that's what the fuck. Uh, I'm probably doing a lot of, and um, lastly, I put together some cool t-shirt designs with the ISH uh, podcast title and artwork, and we'll be making them available via the Facebook page and subreddit, so all proceeds after podcast expenses, advertising, hosting, shit like that, will be donated to the Able Gamers Foundation, so if you think art is cool, which I think it is actually very cool, thanks to thanks to our boy, Video Nasties, uh, 87 on Instagram. You should check his shit out if you're not familiar with it. He does a lot of cool retro artwork uh, inspired shit, like movie boxes and stuff like that. Um, anyways, um, you can grab those if you think that shit's cool and it'll help out some uh, a cool foundation. So let's get into Nintendo Power number 11.
That was the Super Mario Brothers 3 World 4 theme. And very underrated world. An often skipped world, but good It job. is often skipped. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's that's well put, yeah. <clears throat> Which is, yeah. If you're yeah, if you're doing the whistle thing, it's very easy to blow by what is, yeah, very the boots and shit are, are very cool in that world. So that is because we are looking at the March April nineteen ninety issue of Nintendo Power here, number eleven. The cover price is three fifty, four fifty Canadian dollars, and Super Mario Bros. three is the cover feature. You might have heard of it, the game. Uh, <laughs> it is the High Flying Adventure is their tagline for it. And the artwork gets back to that claymation style we've seen a number of times, and most referentially significant being the first issue, Mario Two. So they this time though they they, they do a, a much better job with the color palettes and they, like the characters shown are all correct and everything, and that's good because the the Mario Two one was a little messy on that on that first issue. You know, first issue makes makes sense, but. So yeah, Mario, the raccoon suit, he's marked raccoon suit enabled, and he flies up above a few set pieces from the Egyptian world, World 2. They have the angry sun there that's in World 1, or 2, 2, I think it is, and a chain chomp, there's a ton of those in there, a pile of gold coins, a palm tree, which I actually thought was a, a castle until I noticed behind the title treatment, the, the, the leaves, you know, that it's just, I don't know, it looks like one of the like the the little tower that's in the desert thing there you know oh yeah i just figured oh yeah it is it does look like a castle but it's right a yeah, the or, yeah exactly so anyways the all those are there and then one of the koopalines that's iggy koopa by my research and it looks fucking great the character choices choices are dope it makes me want to play mario 3 a great deal <laughs> 100% clearly from our engagement on our Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, it really, this cover just destroyed Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, the one bullet point here is don't miss, and it alludes to a list of games below that is honestly, when I was first looking at this, quite underwhelming to look at. <laughs> there's Silent Service, there's 720, A Boy in His Blob, Pinbot, and Astinax. Astinax? Perhaps on the I've just been saying Astanax. Uh, just yeah. skipping all the stuff in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when in doubt, just make it as short as possible and get through it as, as, as fast as you can. <laughs> so hey, it's like, all about Super Mario Three. Who cares? Like yeah, that's, exactly. that's the clear message yeah. of this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was a creative choice, like a deliberate creative choice by them. Just like we do not, we don't want to fucking try to show up Super Mario Three here. Let's put the weakest list we can possibly pick out of the pages inside. <laughs> Although, I, you know, again, I some of it's unfamiliarity. I wouldn't say in actuality they all are bad. But anyways, we'll get there. Lastly, there is Big Bonus, a 36-page Nintendo pack source game directory. And that's the pullout book of this month. And I'll absolutely fucking get into this when we hit the table of contents. Because this thing, like one of the things, you know, again, this would be my first issue. And me just pouring over it for... I would have done even if this weren't the case, but uh, waiting for my first issue to come off the subscription in the mail, that Super C uh, issue next took seemingly forever in my childhood. So I just, dude, daily, just uh, fucking going through this thing over and over and over and over and over again. So that pack source thing, giving you some extra 36 pages of content was something I soaked in a great deal. And, and oh, I never it. had that, dude. I was just like, I was looking at this like, wait, what is this pack source thing? Like, I've never had this. Like, I, I posted a screenshot from it. I can, the, oh. I couldn't, I couldn't find a, I'll get to that when we get there, but yeah, I couldn't find the actual, a PDF of it, which bummed me out, but I did find like a piecemeal one by one scan series of all the pages, which is insane. And someone did that. That's on archive.org. You can download, but 
we'll get there. The first thing up inside is a two-banger dropping an atomic bomb on kids' lives. Nintendo Power is about to start sending video game shit to your mailbox on a monthly basis now. And they are informing you that here. The headline reads, hey, it's twice the power and now it's every month. Introducing Nintendo's new, and that's underlined, Mega Power Package which they describe this as with our new mega power subscription package one month, you'll get Nintendo power. And then the next month, your special edition strategy guide will arrive and get this fucking shit. It's still 15 bucks a year for twice the mags, which is pretty fucking wild. If you think about that, they, well, what it is, it's a testament to obviously what this is. It's just a, you're paying $15 for a catalog essentially, (laughs) but, but, as a kid, you don't process it that way. It's like, I'm getting twice as much for the same amount. Whew, this is going to be an easy sell to mom. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And they make the announcement the first strategy guide will be on Super Mario Brothers 3 here. The mock-up they depict here is way off uh, on how they would eventually look, the strategy guides, I mean. But, you know, what are you going to do again? Kind of same you know, with the, the first issue. Just like they're figuring this shit out as they go here. So, you know, whatever. But I do like that they dedicated time and effort to disclaiming that may be the case. Like, they have a little fucking fine print there. Cover shown may not be the actual cover of the first issue. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, what a terrible and fucking uptight world we live in where that is necessary. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, where they didn't feel comfortable just being like, fucking relax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever shows up, shut up. You'll look at it constantly for months. Like, just who cares what's on the cover? We're giving you extra stuff for the same price. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. Be cool. Woosa, motherfuckers. Yeah. Dude, did and- you notice... How they keep saying multiple times in here that can't win without them tips. Like, are they saying that you're just not going to be a, be able to be certain games unless you have these issues, these strategy guides? Like, you're a business guy. What's the? You want to demonstrate essentiality. You want to demonstrate that you can't live without this product. <laughs> so that's like I'm right like up. they said that multiple times. I'm like, are you telling me right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm screwed without this issue. Like, mom, I need it. I need it. Oh, and that, I don't think I could have ever possibly. I still, I don't think I've ever beaten Mario three, but I couldn't. Yeah, I can't get through the fucking end, dude. The eighth level is a beast. But I, I never would have found the whistles, like the dropping behind the ball, like all that shit's in the strategy. Like without that strategy guide, no, I don't think maybe you do. So they're not even lying. On top of just using good sales tactics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop this issue right now. Like, you've never beat Mario 3, Josh. Like, Well, I didn't own it as a kid. Neither one of us did. Okay. Me, me, neither your jab owned it. So, you know, we didn't have the just, like, constant fucking uh, opportunity to try. But, I mean, I played it plenty. And I think I think Ted did have it. So, I did have access to it. I think. It, I don't know, I it think is I the greatest 8-bit game. It is the greatest <laughs> NES part of fun. all time not better like, than mike tyson's punch it's it's un it's not debatable mike tyson's punch out is great it's not the greatest of all time i would say super mario brothers 3 is the greatest arguably mm. of the eight big cards arguably because mike tyson's punch out is better but <laughs> it's it it a great game i am not at all con- contesting that uh I, I mean like i said before I, I like mario 2 more than i like mario 3 oh. i think it's i think it's i think it's a more fun like this, you know, this obviously has more depth to it. Yeah. But that is due in part because this is a latter NES stage thing that allowed them the opportunity to learn from past, yada, yada, yada. So, like, you know, there's a lot of things where they're building on 
previous things to make this what it is. And, you know, and that's not, again, to discount what it did become or what it is. But I just as far as like pure fun factor, I enjoy two more. What? Oh, I mean, I, I'll play the shit out of it. It's fun as fuck, but yeah, <laughs> I like two more. I, I think I, I think I now need to discount your video game opinions by a certain percentage. Most people, based on this probably, most people probably do, Jason. <laughs> You're not alone in that, I'm sure. <laughs> not just limited to video game opinions, probably in general. And <laughs> so lastly, we go to this fucking guy's uh, jacket here and matching friendship bracelets. Like, this is... He's very 90s to the max, I guess, is maybe what I'm oh, getting at here. Sure. Like, those color, that color scheme that he's rocking uh, is just so high octane. Dude, man. they try to make it quickly, like, let you know, like, oh, is this the guy from The Wizard holding the Nintendo stuff? Oh, no, but he looks close enough like him, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, because The Wizard is late 80s. Like, I don't think, I don't think we had gotten no, The Wizard. The Wizard. The Wizard was 89, so this right. is like, like two months before, right. two months before. And now, since they're reintroducing Mario three, or I don't know, man. Mario 3 I think it's moving faster than that. You got to think about say, so yes, it was released in in Christmas of eighty nine, but they probably you know that movie was probably produced, conceived, and then the costuming people in it are a little older. Like this is like cutting edge, like nineteen ninety. Like you did not have that fucking coat. It was not possible in the eighties. Just wasn't. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> 89, 89 kind of blends, but I, I see exactly. what you're saying. It's, it's definitely like, yeah, dude, just yeah, it's, it's like, like the, Saint it's, by the Bell type colorful. Yes, 90s, fuck yes, like, Zach Bay Miller would or not Zach, the bow, like uh, not Zach Bay Miller's a kid I went to high school with. What's his fucking name? Zach. Zach. Uh, why am I freezing right now? You got freaking, you got yeah. Turtle, you got AC Slater, you got Zach Morris. Zach Morris, yes, Zach Morris would rock the shit out of that coat. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I think Screech owned it, actually. Yeah, actually, you're right. That is a, you, I stand fucking entirely corrected. That so. is a Screech. Yeah. That is a Screech. It might be sure. some pants that like Zach wore, like a yeah. pants pattern type of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Should we talk about friendship bracelets, Jay? <laughs> I did not have many friendship bracelets. No, you didn't? No no good stories about friendship bracelets? No, man. Mm. I, I, I have those. I definitely had a jacket like this, but no bracelets. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I had a slap bracelet, a slap Batman bracelet. You know. Okay, I think I had I like the slap race since I was not really into like I'm, I see, remember seeing them and like I think I had one or two that I would that I got from like those you know like the people would, I don't know I'm assuming your school had this too but like people would come and like when I think back on it it was such a racket like companies would come and basically enlist children to sell shit for them and then you get prizes. That <laughs> yeah. like sell magazines and tapes and shit for them, you know, like literally, pop crazy, like yeah, candy exactly. It's like, fucking insane. Like you're literally <laughs> exploiting children' labor to sell your shit, and then compensating them with just awful, awful compensation ratios. Like those things were valueless, you know? But I feel like I got some slap bracelets from one of those fucking schemes. <laughs> I said, on one of those schemes, we, I sold Jab, a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch tape that never came. To this day, to this day, <laughs> he brings up that I owe him a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I think I sent it to him once years ago. I found it somewhere and sent him one. But yeah, for years, he would bring up the fact that I didn't, that I, I stole the money for a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch fucking tape. 
<laughs> next, ask about it next time we fucking get, we do the next week when we side quest. Fucking ask him about it. He'll, he'll go into old <laughs> try about it. Uh, Any, so yeah, I, I did have like I remember I didn't you know I fucking it's not that I was like a fucking friendship bracelet aficionado or anything, but I remember having one a lime green one that I rocked for a while with little orange and black diamonds on it, and like I have no idea who it might have been associated with if anyone at all, but I remember wearing it for a long time and. That being important, making sure it's there and like maybe if I took it off to shower, putting it back on, whatever, you know, and that, that's like a weird ass memory I have. But I, I can't remember. I wish I could remember what it was associated with because I'm sure it had to be something, you know, you would think unless, you know, kids just do shit to assimilate too, maybe not. But hmm. anyhow, back to Nintendo Power 11, I can't believe this was happening right as I was getting on board the Nintendo Power subscription hype train, this this strategy guide shit like I don't remember looking at this ad and setting an expectation of what might arrive in the mail. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember like reading this and being like processing what that might mean to whatever, but I can't imagine that I expected as comprehensive and well done as what these strategy guides ended up being. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that final fantasy one, the third one is a, was a Bible for Jab and I like, Oh my (laughs) God, we spent, months of our life with our nose in it trying to figure out that opaque ass rpg at age at ages we were not equipped to you know deal with an rpg like that so like they were so well done the mario 3 one is fucking fantastic the ninja gaiden 2 one even though that's a game i wasn't necessarily really into as a kid or had an opportunity to play much it was also well done and then the four player one was fucking so good with the that's again when we played uh, any aspect football you were gonna be pissed at my onside kick Ronnie Locke game. But that <laughs> came from that issue. So, yeah, these, these are super well done. And, yeah, I don't know. And it was, I remember it being confusing to me because they, when they stopped doing these, like, they only did four of them. So, like, you know, they, they make it, they made it seem like this was going to be an ongoing thing. You know what I mean? Right. And then they only did four of them. And then they just switched over to a monthly Nintendo Power, you know? And, like, I, I think maybe, like, I'm sure they sent me a letter or something, you know, to, like, tell me that that was happening. And, again, like, a little kid just processing, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, why is it changing? You know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's just it's just wild to me that my Nintendo Power experience aligned with this weird experimental phase of it. You know what I mean? Um, it's very cool. It's so interesting to me, considering I never had that as a subscription. So I was always just going to the library, like picking up, and I like almost never had the strategy guide. Like every now and then, there might have been like something extra there, but generally it was just that issue. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, going to the library, like the strategy guides. Like if you don't, if you're not at the game open next to you or playing the game next to, they don't. They're not. It's not an appealing thing to look at necessarily. So yeah, they probably didn't get much run in the in the library. Relative to the actual Nintendo powers, but I definitely have my pen and paper though, writing stuff down now. <laughs> like every time I was out there, I was like, oh, like so I'm flipping through, just writes, what's that code? All right, here we go. <laughs> For sure. So the table of contents comes next. And in addition to it being beautiful as always, there is, uh, rather, this is where we talk about the pullouts. And there is a fucking lot here. You have, <laughs> so we have, they tell you to check out the Radical Super C poster. And this Super C poster is a live action deal for Super C. It's got two dudes standing back to back beneath the chopper. Jay. <laughs> Get to the chopper. <laughs> then they're in just vests, headbands, assault rifles, 
dramatic sunset behind them. Just the whole shebang, man. And so that's fantastic. And I'm pretty sure it spent some time on my wall as a child. And dude, the dude, this looks like the Cobra Kai. Like if you look at Cobra Kai, if you watch that show, this looks like, like every monster from the '80s. What do you mean? That's military. That's action oriented. No, but like if you look at like how they look now, like the actual actors that play Joe, you know Johnny and Danielson, they look like those dudes now. Like right. that's how they actually look right. Where you at, I can see not knowing Danny's or the the fucking blonde kid's name, but Ralph yes. Macchio. Where you at on Ralph Macchio? You got to just say his name, Ralph Macchio. No man, he's always <laughs> Danielson. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> he's Daniel Larusso. Yeah. <laughs> He is probably that's much to his malign, I'm sure. Or at one point, I'm sure he's accepted at this point, but there was probably a time where he was like, fuck, man. Oh, just Ralph Macchio. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, let it rain. Yeah, I'm sure. been in a long time in relative obscurity for sure. The flip side of it, where one finds a detailed screenshot game map of some kind, is an overworld map for Dragon Warrior. And this baby is dope as fuck for sure. And I'm bummed. I, I think I might have found it. But I didn't, I couldn't find a good, and I couldn't actually, because I wanted to use it in our key art, but I couldn't find a good scan of it for us to use mm. for side quest too. And I would have loved to have done that because I definitely remember that existing. And Dude, I actually used, I had this exact map digitally pulled up while we were going through that. Really? This exact yeah. one? Like, yeah, because like, I cause I looked at this and I was like, oh, I have it. I was like, oh, that's what I was looking at to be like, where are those squares? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, and that's exactly. Close. I remember the one I had as a kid, dude. I had like fucking carved into the <laughs> the swamp where the token is, you know, because it, it was literally like it was a perfect screenshot map, you know. So yeah, very well done map. It's got all the shops and shit down below, like a lot of the the points of interest and stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a great great map that was super helpful as a child. No question. And we also have an oddball booklet, the thing they mentioned on the cover, the pack source thing. And this is a 36-page deal here. And there's no C in pack, so like game pack, you know. And they describe it as the Nintendo Guide to Gaming, a complete listing of power meter ratings, game descriptions, and super hot tips for the NES user. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is essentially a full catalog of the entire NES library to date, like the license, obviously. And it basically gives everyone or gives kids everywhere a checklist to burden their parents' walls with. And that is exactly what it was to me. It was like, I literally, like I, dude, I, I, you know, well, first of all, there's there's some, you know, it's not, ju- I'm, I, I don't want to diminish it in that way, like, and say it's just a catalog. Like, they put, there's some value built into it for sure. They put the power meter scores in here for each title. So, you know, it's a catalog of every game in the system, and you know, they're it's pretty helpful, or it would have been pretty helpful to weed out some of the dog shit. Like, you know, I mean, I, I've said we've said more than once, and it will remain true throughout that you know, there's a little bit of bias for the power meter ratings and shit that Nintendo does for sure. You know, there's money involved, so it's a proprietary product in some cases. There's a million reasons why you know you shouldn't shouldn't be the end all be all in your game game buying decision making on an NES, but you know. A thing that's rated total dog shit. And like, say you're standing in a fucking Toys R Us aisle, you know, and you are blessed enough to have this in your hands while you're doing so. Something that's got a bunch of twos on it, you know, like, there's just no chance that's a good game. You know what I mean? And, you know, you could, that, that would have been a very helpful tool to have that I probably wish I would have. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I had any major lemons 
in my NES collection anyways. It's not like I bought, you know, I didn't really get, but it would have been great for like the rental store for sure, you know, which I wish I would have used it more because I definitely Dude. brought home dog shit in the, in the rental market, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's cool. And they also put a random tip for each game. So like punch outs tip is the password to go straight to Super Macho Man with a 99 no record, you know, so every game just has a little tip in it too so some extra value there too yeah dude like i I remember just pouring over this thing like i have a distinct memory of the games i had i would pen little stars next to the titles of the game on both sides of the title you know on the little like they have each game has a little colored bar each genre has a has a certain color coding you know what i mean so like that little title bar i would scrawl little stars you know so um, yeah, I fucking use this thing a great deal just to like, I don't know, like to, to remind myself I had the games. I don't know. It's not like I had like thousands of games. I don't know why. Just my in over 10 of tendencies, I guess, even as a child. <laughs> Dude, I would have loved that. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I'm just imagining what my experience would have been like to have had this issue because you have the Dragon Warrior map, you have the cool poster, you have this, like, to be able to look up and be like, okay, what other games are out there right now? All of these games are out there right now. Like, sweet. You know what I mean? I would have loved to have that. Like, even for the reason that you just said. Like, it's, yeah. no, it was, It's it, no wonder this issue is just so well thought of. You know? Right. Yep. Now, again, I just can't believe it's the one. Well, I don't know. Again, like, yeah. Even, again, like, my mom making that decision. Like, and, you know, they probably put a million fucking issues of this on the newsstand. There's like, there's like, I'm sure there's like a ripple effect of reasons why it got onto my mom's radar. She chose to buy it. It's a beautiful cover. She knows what Mario is. It's probably, she probably saw a news a piece on Mario at some point. She's like, Oh, Mario, that's that game. They they're talking about, I know that one, you know what they I mean? Love that, Mario. That, yeah. That <laughs> came with the system. You know? So there's like a million reasons. It's not totally out of the blue or anything, but it's still amazing to me that this is how, this is where it was all introduced to me as a kid. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of wild. What an issue. What an issue to be introduced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So next up is Player's Pulse, and they start with the mailbox, as they always do. And we have a Cleveland boy kicking things off. Got to give Kevin Duhon his shout out. And he tells a story of his basement flooding while the family was on a trip. And his Tendo was the only thing that survived because he kept it in a cardboard box to, <laughs> this is fucking, I just love this so much dude he kept it in a cardboard box box to protect it from carpet fibers <laughs> i just fucking love fucking that so much it's so stupid kid shit it's great <laughs> this is such a random story to send the company i was like what like, yeah okay. right so yeah so he kept it in that box so when they got home and there was standing water in the basement the box was literally floating on the surface of the water and everything in it was fine. His Nintendo and shit. And it was basically the only thing in his basement that didn't get water damage, you know? And it was just like little floating on the top, like a little fucking rescue boat for his NES, you know? Which is just, <laughs> can you, I mean, as a kid, you just had to be like, oh. <laughs> great. So cool. So yeah, I, that was a really, it was a really cool story. I'm glad, especially that it's a Cleveland boy, made me even happier, but. <laughs> very cool letter to kick off and i also like this letter from brett soboleski of erie pa he wrote in a while back to ask for help with being the final boss in isoh alum strider and they basically told him no that they thought it would be better for him to figure it out on his own and you know that's just no fucking participation trophies kid get out there and do some work you know what i mean and the kid here is taking the time to write in again 
and just say he finally did it and it felt fucking great. You know what I mean? And uh, it makes my, like, it chokes me up a little bit. <laughs> like the idea of, like, the life lesson being taught to this kid. And he was so, even as a child, he understood how good of a thing that was and how fulfilling it was to have that. To do it yourself. Yeah, to do it yourself, to have that, and to be taught that lesson, and that they were right, even though at the time he was probably like, fuck! (laughs) Damn you guys! (laughs) Right, right, you know? So, yeah, very fucking cool. No participation trophies. Get out there and do some fucking work. So, Dude, you know what? I like the second one, like, about the bug. Nintendo is basically just saying... Yep, it's called a bug. It happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're we're not gonna do, we're not gonna do anything about that actually. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, uh, great, great mailbox this month. One of the better ones, you know, just right in line with everything else. Everything about the issue is fucking classy. Uh, video spotlight also makes me happy. The first cat, Jeff Benson of New Paris, Texas, is a 14 year old kid demonstrating some real entrepreneurship and leadership, <laughs> having started a Nintendo club called the Video Warlords that pools the members' allowances to buy games for them to share within the group. And I bet Jeff here gets priority access to those cards on account of all the sweat equity he put into the various organization management responsibilities associated with starting this organization so very smart play by jeff and i'm sure he's exploiting it in corporate capitalistic fashion (laughs) i'm sure he gets the games first because (laughs) so everybody give your money i'm gonna play this game then i'll pass it on to you and give you the tips and And all the worker bees are just happy because they're part of this this machine that's doing so well So eventually get to play these games with this guy's like knowledge on how to beat it. Like, <laughs> right, right. What a great deal. Yeah, it's very Orwellian. <laughs> yeah, it's very 1984. I, I, bet, I, bet he is, I bet he sells Amway or he's like high up in what a multi-level marketing. Something, yeah, for sure. Yeah, how we do it. It reminds me so like, you know, I've told the story about my Game Boy shit and my little fucking, you know, just it's the idea of like a little kid just like Coming up with a fucking scheme <laughs> to, to maximize this video game shit is just so good, you know. <laughs> and, and then we have Matt Raylord of Fairfield, Connecticut, and he has a list of general game playing tips. And the first one really rings true to me. It it is, don't give up, don't play too long. Extended play makes some players angry. That's very. <laughs> That's very true, Matt. Uh, I'm guessing Matt is projecting a little here, but I'm a prime example of this being the case, nonetheless. So it's a good, it's a good lesson to have taught to you as well. <laughs> By and, some players, I'm pretty sure he means himself. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the reader art here is cool too. There's a, it has, it's base, it's Link opening a door to find Wart and a bunch of other baddios, baddies, baddios. That's a cool name, actually, or a cool word, right? Baddios. Yeah, I didn't mean that, but that's that's a good Freudian slip of something cool. So yeah, there's a bunch of baddies from Mario too. The better Mario, right? Here. Oh. <laughs> It's a good Mario. Don't get me wrong. It's a good Mario, but it's not the not the goodest Mario. Yeah. Okay. So you turn the page, and it's time for the biggest, baddest mother ever to hit the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Mario Bros. Three. Lou, look at this artwork, man. Like the the colors are great. Like the font is that fantastic. Super time they put into this. You know, they were probably so excited about this. They probably dedicated like three people to it instead of just two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they brought this so much resources of, of the Nintendo Power pie, you know. Dude. Probably went into this. 
So yeah, this is it, man. This is Mario and Luigi return in their biggest adventure yet. Super Mario Bros. 3 has more secrets, more tricks, and more outrageous obstacles than the first two Super Mario Brothers games put together. Fuck that. And if, in fact, we could barely fit maps and tips for the first two worlds in these eight pages, so let's go and see what we can find. And they have an item breakdown, love those, of a, or rather, and a World of Grasslands explainer box preceding the start of the level-by-level level maps. So they kind of, I don't know, they kind of just, you know, just give you, teaching the mechanics as they always do with these fucking things. And looking at each of these, particularly the Koopa airship level, and it got me really thinking about kind of, I don't know, the context of where we're at in the NES timeline. Because, like, I can't, I came into Nintendo a little late, you know? So this didn't, like, hit me. Like, I definitely didn't have this when I was getting this issue. You know, I had a Nintendo already, but I, I wouldn't get Nintendo, uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 with any real-level access till it was out for a while, and I had played other games that were also probably a little further down the development tree, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, I was just thinking about, like, that, that airship level, how fucking crazy and good and different that is than everything you've seen on the system. So, if you, like, get this game day one, it probably, I don't know, it probably just hit you like a ton of fucking bricks, man. Like, it was just probably mind <laughs> the airship was so hard like at first. it's like oh shit man like i was surprised because i'm playing through it again because like it's great and I, I did you know a couple months ago when i first started playing um i remember thinking like how hard it was and like how my natural memory helped me to get through it much more easy this time which is you know great but otherwise like Every new airship you experience because they're all different. I'm just like, yeah. oh man, what is happening? Like, uh, like even on Super Mario World 3D that I'm playing on the Switch right now, the freaking airships are hard. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, these yeah, airships. Air, airship in 3D. I don't think they have those in Mario 3D. I don't think they have one in. I don't think they have one in Odyssey either. So yeah, that would be cool. An, an airship in 3D would be fucking dope. It is, man. Try to because you got a that extra aspect of oh, where am I jump? Where am I landing with these right. bullets? Well, yeah, out? I mean that's yeah, that's that's what you know. So yeah, that you know Mario Two had verticality too, but it wasn't nearly as reliant on it. Like there's there's a lot of verticality in these stages, and you know just an incredible diversity in. The stages that you know the like we talked about the giant world the fucking the sand the Egyptian world the fucking water world water. the the ice world sky the, world yeah yep, yeah yeah there's just a ton of diversity and you know that that kind of that set that was a big that became a part of Mario games that diversity you know so this was the first time they were doing that and that again just a testament to like the big step that that was in and and what Mario games. And each one has their own music. Like I, like yeah. even in going through the music for this episode, I'm like, I I love all this music. Like, which world do I choose? Like, which nostalgia string do I want to pull today? You know, it's you chose a good one. It's so good. Like, are we are we playing Mario? How can we? Play Mario? <laughs> <laughs> are we playing Mario? How do we not? Let's like, uh, yeah. talk about it later. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, the, so the, the last page here is overworld maps and previews of worlds three through seven, and then a little mini teaser for the beast that is Bowser's underworld hideout. And those overworld maps are just like a fucking a great showcase of the game. They're such a such a good choice, like to to put all those in there and just show the maps, you know, and and again, kind of just tease the diversity of what this game is is really cool. And I also dig how they tease the strategy guide hidden in June at the end, basically giving you, you know, a couple months to digest this before giving you the keys to the kingdom. And that that's pretty cool too, you know. So I also like it too. It's like figure it out on your own if you can do it. 
If not, we'll see you in a few months to help yeah. you out. Yeah. The fucking rescue team is coming your way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and they always do that too. They always, they've been doing that from the start here. They'll do, you know, the first half of the game and say, we'll have more in the next issue. And, you know, in that, those cases, we're talking about two months again that you get between issue to issue. So, yeah. And they, they've always done it. I've commended them from square one, a fantastic job of not, you know, basically what that letter was that just the, slowly feeding you and letting you fucking experience it as opposed to the immediate gratification world we live in now, you know, and that's fucking great job. Great fucking job. And after that, we have a feature for ultra silent service, the submarine simulation and it's a four banger. And we've already diddled with this diddled with this rather already. And we've diddled with this already. (laughs) I fired up at the time when we first saw it and was completely overwhelmed by the, like the depth of the simulation aspects of this game. And like, I don't know, the density of this feature is right on brand with that feeling. Like I was looking at this with, I was going through the mag and like, I'm just like, I'm looking at it and and like, you know, I am reading this mag to like an immersive depth. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dive deep and I'm, I was looking at those pages and I'm like, Oh, this is exhausting to look at. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, like, and it's the game. Like, I remember when I was fucking with the game, I, it was the same thing. It's just like, like, it's a shame because, like, I, you know, I bet it is a hell of a simulation that I could have really enjoyed in 1990. You know what I mean? But a simulation game on NES in 2021 is just not something anyone is going to have the patience for, you know, myself included. So it's just, I feel, I feel, it bums me out a little that like I'll just never be able to experience this the way it should have been or could have been experienced because I think I would have been into it as a kid, you know, that kind of stuff intrigued me even then, you know, but you just, the systems are just too outdated to, to interface with now, you know? So yeah, I got agreement. I second that. Like it's such a thorough treatment here. And I- <laughs> <laughs> treatment is a great yeah. word. For it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, After that, we have a couple pages on the winter 1990 consumer electronics show in Vegas, and they break the blurbs up by genre, and I believe it was by developer last time, so they're switching it up here. And the role-playing greats is the title on the RPG blurb, and there's a lot of heat in here, man. There is SNK's Crystallis coming down the pipe, and that is a great top-down action RPG, and it was unveiled along Nintendo's uh offering or rather nintendo offering star tropics and final fantasy and yeah. they also have, they also have the port of the first wizardry by nexoft in here too so yeah rpg stuff is really coming into its own and that's pretty fucking cool and exciting will give us more to work with than ultima on the next side quest <laughs> and super sequels are also mentioned uh and some some hotness here ninja gaiden 2 super c and tecmo bowl 2 as it's referred to here they're not even calling it super tecmo bowl yet so that's exciting and in the list under of under development games i clocked street fighter 2 and assuming it's what we all know that name to be it's very interesting to hear that it was being developed for the nes at one point because i did not know that Mm. but does it say it's being developed for the nes it just just says it oh that's true that's that is a it doesn't necessarily say anything you know but they're not yeah they're not talking about any snes stuff in there so i would that's a fucking fantastic question and and question to raise but i think my assumption here is that they are talking about all nes stuff and it was probably i mean you know i'm sure there's some fucking literature somewhere about this some reason i don't know man i don't know look at castlevania 3 isn't that a 
wasn't that a, eventually a Super Nintendo game also? But they also probably that, that I would almost guarantee because because Simon's Quest came out a while ago now, like a year ago. So there's plenty of time left in the NES thing. And actually, no, sorry, fuck you, man. Castlevania Three is on an NES. What are you talking about? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm oh just, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was asking. I don't know. Me up. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Castlevania Three is on NES, and it's fucking great, dude. It's a really good game oh, that yeah. I hear here is like. I mean, because you play different characters in that. You you can play like Dracula's son, Alucard. That's where that comes from. And oh, okay. there's a few different characters you play, and it's like supposedly fucking. That's another game that I'm looking forward to getting to because I hear I've heard incredible things, and I think I only briefly diddled with it when I was younger. So that's a game I, I look forward to to giving a whack to. You know. Um, but yeah, there's there the what is the SNES one? It's that's not Symphony of the Night. That's I just Maybe know there's several. I don't even remember like at what point those are transitioned. I, I definitely right. didn't play. Them. Yeah, yeah, but three is definitely an NES. Um, but that's a that's such a big franchise. I mean, the reason I was like second guessing there is because that could easily they could have easily had something that they were developing for the NES for the Castlevania line and been like, you know what, let's just bump it to the SNES. You know, that would make total sense because oh, I mean, there's yeah, like you said, there's a million of those games. And the highlights wrap-up section mentions Jalico's Maniac Mansion port from the PC, insinuating they're justifiably excited about it. And yes, again, I look forward to exposing you to that game. I think it's super fun. I think you'll I think you'll dig it. Even though it is that's another game that I mean I think it it plays better UI wise than that simulation or submarine simulation shit, but it is also a weird for NES UI, you know, the the scum engine where you're like picking verbs and then clicking on things to move around and, and, and interact with the world, you know? So it's a, it's a little weird, and obviously that's not ideal on NES controller, but I think it plays much better and mm-hmm. than, than a lot of that stuff. Definitely better than than Shadowgate, you know, as far as the interface goes. It's a little oh, clunkier. So. <laughs> I actually played that a little bit on the plane, too. I started fucking with that. Or no, I'm sorry, really? not that. I'm playing the, the other... Mac Venture Uninvited, which is the one I like. I played Deja Vu and Shadowgate a bunch, but I have not really played Uninvited, so I was fucking with that one a little bit on the plane, too. After the CES shit, we have a three-pager on rare NOA collaboration Pinbot, and this is a pinball game with robot and space theming, and it's Nintendo of America, good. Rarer, good. Pinball, good. I was pretty optimistic heading into this, you know, like never having fucked with it. I'd never even heard of it, let alone fucked with it. And the table pictured even has a legit Williams pinball logo at the bottom of it, which I immediately... I noticed that, dude. I yeah. immediately recognized that from basically growing up in bars as a kid. And that is because this is an actual pinball machine game that was manufactured by Williams, trademarked in 86, and according to the game's title card, legalese you know um and williams pinball yeah is a brand of wms industries which is a big player in the pinball game scene that went public in 87 and shortly thereafter acquired bally midway and bally midway was also huge in their own right so to demonstrate the size of williams to be acquiring bally midway i think kind of shows how big of a company it was you know so, yeah, they made a bunch of pinball machines, of course. They made a bunch of gambling machines as well, slot machines in particular. And they actually, they started with electronic gaming in 1973 with a Pong clone called Paddleball. So, a little pinball company fucking history lesson for you there. And they have a power meter for this one, and they did not for Mario 3 or Silent Service. And I thought that very odd. 
it's very like and, and that would be a recurring thing. I don't know if you pay attention to those here in the mag, but it's like very sporadic what games have power meters and what don't. And I wonder what the fuck is up with that, because I feel like they've pretty much been on every game in previous issues. Maybe you know what I mean? Maybe they feel those are more like, hey, we're releasing this to you. Like that's like no one's had time to review it. Like here it is. You know what I mean? Kind of just yeah, maybe. You know. I don't know. I'm just. So we drop the questions to ask Howie actually, and they so they give it an eighty one point two five with nearly a perfect mark in graphics and sound, which is yeah, a good marker for a pinball game. And in the bottom right of page two, it says even the best mechanical pinball machines can't do what your NES can do. And uh, fucking whoa, man, hold hold your fucking horses, Nintendo, with that bombastic claim. You know, <laughs> I fucking win. That's laying it on a little fucking thick, I think. Uh, did you fire this up? No, man, I don't have the ROM. How did you found the ROM? I did. Yeah, it's on, it was on ROM download. I think I had it in the thing either. I had to download it, but dude, every time I try to get a new ROM, it's always like virus stuff. Back to Nintendo Power here. Eleven. After that little fucking ROM download tutorial for for Jay here, so he knows how to pirate things. <laughs> Let's legally. play some pinball. So, yeah, so he knows how to pirate things legally. <laughs> and yeah, I, I fired this up. It does mostly look and sound great. The title screen has some really steamy pixel art of robot of a robot seductress, <laughs> and like you actually got like robot nipples and shit, which. Um, Killed it on socials, as you might imagine, as any female sex thing does. And the music is fantastic, as you'd expect from Rare. They always do great music. And the table looks pretty good. It is a little busy visually, I would say. You can track the ball fine, but it's I would say it's still a little messy looking. The physics were okay. Um, yeah, it's not... I don't think it's the best pinball game we've played for for NES, but it's, it's certainly serviceable and there's, you know, clearly there's good artwork. There's good music. There's a lot of, of well-built things into it. Uh, the, it seemed to be from the posts on the social stuff, like people like, like this game, people, people regard this game as a, as a good pinball game. So it's worth your time. Definitely to check it out. If you're into pinball games, no question, you know, but it, do not expect to be completely blown away. It's not fucking the best. Next up is Atari Mindscapes 720, and this is a three-banger, and we've talked about this before as well. It's a skateboarding deal that I would say is skate or die with light RPG stuff, like, really obtusely jammed into it. <laughs> and I, I'm not a fucking fan at all. The, the, no power meter here again, and, and that's fucking weird. Oh. But, yeah, yeah, the game is not, I think, anything special at all. And yeah, it's uh, it, I, I tried it, and... It's kind of fun, like the move, the controls are fun to like move it around, but like I just couldn't get into the RPG aspect. You like, get out of the main area? No, like, I was just yeah. So you gotta yeah. go pick the, the events. I crashed and some stuff, and I was like, uh. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can crash on the overworld map. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was not. I mean, I get you know that's because I I think it gives you the freedom to really play and do tricks and stuff in the main area, which. Is a you know if you're trying to go for RPG type stuff like that's a smart choice probably, but yeah I just I just I think it was just bad execution on most fronts you know it's not that great of a game. Absolutes a boy in his blob gets four pages after that and this game makes me upset man it's it's such a <laughs> it's such a curiosity, but I know it is not a good game you know what I mean and it's it's frustrating like I read it as a kid. Likely because I read and reread this issue a few thousand times, and the like the brilliant C idea grabbed me then, just as it still does to this day. You know, the idea of like giving a blob 
jelly beans and that turns into tools to help you solve problems. Like that's a really fucking cool mechanic, but it was a bleh experience then. And I have tried it as an adult many, many times. And every time I'm just like, Ugh, it's just fucking not, eh. just can't do it. Like it's they not. got some great marketing. Like I see it. I, I'm the same way. I see it. I'm like, Oh yeah, one is blah. But and then I, and then it's like, ah, it's that game. Yeah, it's that fucking game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bumps me game. out too. Yeah, I would. I I want to like it because it's fucking those dudes. But <laughs> after that is Howard Nestor, and they're doing Super Spike V Ball things here. And Howie is playing beach volleyball in a button up and a bow tie. Pretty fucking cool, Howie. And the prevailing takeaway is a tip to play defense away from the net rather than trying to block everything at it. And I don't disagree, digging spikes out at ground level is easiest in the game, but power blocks of the net are possible and super hot and very satisfying when you successfully uh, use them, you know, in that game. So, you know, it's a decent tip for a newbie. I think it's misguided for a veteran super spike b-ball player that we might take on, on that. I find it funny that you looked at it from a tip perspective. I just, I just took it that he didn't want to take feedback. Like he was trying to give <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like these are all, all these, co- these are these comics are all uh, incredibly one note. They are always the same thing. It is Nestor being a little dick, and Howard is cool, calm, and collectedly trying to teach him a lesson and show him up. You know, it's like the classic snarky kid mentor yeah. dynamic you know what i mean and like i just came begin to invest myself in these you know <laughs> from that like the narrative standpoint is just they're awful so yeah they melded in that's what it always feels like when you especially when we compare and read like game pro you know right. like where it seems like there's a there's a through story <laughs> right yeah no, and that's yeah that and that's you know that's you gotta you know you i i think they're generally better in game pro period but you also like this is episodic these are standalone episodic sitcom episodes they have no relation to the next episode whereas the game adventures of game pro is yes a continuous story there right you know so yeah they're very different uh narrative styles so you don't want to compare them too much but game pro is definitely way better Target Renegade parking garage theme, which is I don't know I don't know why that phrase amuses me, but I think it's one of the better music cue names we've had for some reason. Parking garage <laughs> amuses me just as a fucking sentence. <laughs> and kicking off Act Two here with some ninja options in Nintendo Power Eleven, we have a couple pages of Taito's April release, Wrath of the Black Manta, and. This is another childhood curiosity of mine, I'm sure because of this issue, but I only dabbled with it on, I believe, a single rental occasion as a kid and never tried again. And I was really hoping that curiosity was more justified (laughs) than in (laughs) a flop, you know? And it's got a 77.5 on the power meter, and that is nothing to shake a stick at, you know? So the in the mag here, the first stage map, taking place it says it takes place above and below new york 
and it clearly depicts a side-scrolling action platformer, right? So, like, there are power-ups, there are inventory screens, and clues to pick up on and through, and that, you know, all suggests some effort towards story and character building and, you know, good things I consider to be good game things. And so I, I fired it up uh, with uh, that in mind and kind of, I guess, optimistically. And there is... Did you play this? I did. I did. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that opening cinematic explained that NYC kids are being abducted and the police and FBI have no leads. This is great. It then so it explains that and then it cuts to a phone ringing. (laughs) Fucking this 90s and 80s are great, man. Video games are so just great. So there's a phone ringing and then it cuts to a ninja in full ninja garb questioning who could be calling so late. (laughs) Like, you know, like, like just him asking out loud, uh, rhetorically to himself, who could be calling so late? Like, the way a normal human being not in ninja garb in their house would, 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 <laughs> you know. And so, this actually, but I don't, this is so fucking obscure, and I can't believe this, is, I'm even bringing this up on the pod. But so, this made me think of a lyric from what I believe was a Tyree song. Sweet Lady, I believe, is the name of the song. Do you, do you, do you, recall, do you recall this song? Yeah. Why are you bringing this up? Do you, do you, do you recall the music video where it's, he's like on a fucking city bus? Uh, not really. Yeah, I don't really. Pretty sure the video that's it's it's borderline irrelevant. He's fucking the, the video is him on a fucking city bus singing late at night. And there's a lyric in the song that is late night phone calls on the telephone. And there's just something about the profound redundancy of that sentence that it became a joke amongst my clique in high school. And <laughs> I laugh at the thought of it out loud to this fucking day. Late night phone calls on the telephone. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you, don't need you just don't need the telephone. It's late night phone calls, you know. <laughs> Why is that? A, why is that in your song? <laughs> you know, like, uh, so that's I, between it was, it was just like a, it was a perfect storm of things, like the ninja and the full ninja garb dealing with the fucking stupid ass phone call at home, and then thinking of Tyrese. It was just a beautiful little moment for me that I had a fucking even even further because he's like he's like Mas- master, what's up? Like that's how I, that's how it reads. Like it only gets better from there. Yeah. So yeah, the ninja answers, and suddenly an old dude silhouette is right in front of him, not on the phone, which is weird. And the ninja immediately identifies him as his master. So the ninja says, "Yes, master, what's up?" <laughs> which, does, which does not seem like the tone a ninja would speak to a ninja master with. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, granted, what the fuck maybe do so, I know? Maybe. Exactly. What the fuck do I know about ninja candor? But. Everything I have ever been exposed to in the ninja option subset of things implies that that's not how they would address their their ninja master, even on a late night phone call on the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was fucking... It kicked off with a bang, for sure. I was like, oh, my God, this is this could be fucking insane. <laughs> this could just be a fucking, holy shit, what the fuck is this? You know, so I, I was pretty abused uh, at the start there. But, I mean, it's definitely more of a well-made game than Boy and His Blob. There's no question about that. And I was able to stick with it to the boss battle against the, the huge, bald thug dude. Yeah. But I'm... Like I'm not sure this is the kind of game I could game up without getting suicidal, you know. Like there's it's yeah. a little it's a little repetitive. 
it's kind of aimless a little it's a little bit aimless i think you know like the i didn't really i didn't know, like it but i didn't hate it i was right. kind of like i was disgusted uh, I was boss and the boss i found challenging maybe a little bit the kind of challenge that's not good like control i couldn't get the guy to stay high enough to hit him in the face which is where you have to hit to do damage you know and like i kept trying to jump over the projectiles and it was like more frustration with trying to make that happen than it was like difficulty you know so yeah there was it just didn't you know not just not just disgusted but not the kind of game that i would want to it wasn't fun i did not have fun therefore i do not want to not the game ever. more of that experience <laughs> I, I do not want to expound on that so after that we have a four banger for jellico's asinex and astianex asked however the fuck you pronounce it and Astinex? yeah i yeah exactly yeah i actually wrote down here i have to do a double take of the spelling every time to even possibly pronounce the name correctly like i like look like and you know like the, the dissection yeah. of the, the psychoanalysis of that like it's arguable whether that's a good or bad thing from a marketing standpoint you know what i mean like i hate shit like that like mm-hmm. don't ever try to trick me with some marketing bullshit i will smite thee by not giving you <laughs> a dime solely out of spite regardless of how much i want the thing you know what i mean like i will i don't give a shit what the rates are i will never have Geico Insurance Company because <laughs> your commercials piss me off that much. You know what I mean? I'm so annoyed by your commercials that I don't give a shit if you literally will insure me for free. I'd rather pay than reward that thing. You know what I mean? Uh, same wow. with st- like, ugh, fucking hate them. So yeah, I hate when fucking like marketing tries to trick me. You know, but I also know that not to be a pompous prick, but I know it works on a lot of people. So you know, like I, I whether or not it was a good choice with that that name. To be debated, you know, but I can't ever fucking remember it to pronounce it right. <laughs> uh, anyways, so we have full maps and tips galore through stage five one in here. And the vibe in the text is world five might be the last. So this is a pretty thorough walkthrough of the game that they have here. And the game is a side scrolling action platformer, which does not excite me at all. But it is at least medieval fantasy themed and it is Greek mythology inspired which is on the lesser end of the spectrum of the kind of fantasy, medieval fantasy I like, but nonetheless, I'm listening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so did you fire it up? I did. I did. It's it's an okay game. Some great artwork, man. Some yeah. great artwork. But like, you know, even from, I will say that about this episode. I, like, I looked at here and I was like, I will turn this on. Like, it's colorful. Like, there's a hero. There's some flying stuff. Like, let me check it out. Yeah, man, it's, it's Jalico, and like Jalico does good shit. We've had a lot of good Jalico thing. They do a lot of the sports games. They bases loaded. Uh, they both those. They had that tennis game wasn't bad of theirs. Uh, yeah, Jalico's not a bad company. So you know, I wasn't entirely surprised. But yeah, so the, the opening cinematic is very anime inspired. I would say it has a cute girl that I bet really <laughs> really gets the biscuits burning of fanboys of anime stuff for sure, you know. Right. <laughs> I bet you really like the title sequence of this. <laughs> so it, it also looks quite good. Like the actual game, the, the title screen, music that rips in is awesome. Yeah, Jalico has demonstrated in general 
regarding their music too, talking about just like the generality of that company doing a good job, man. I mean, they're I already talked about how that bass is loaded theme, even though it is like wildly repetitive, is so good. It, it makes me happy every time I hear it, you know. So yeah, they're I think they're they're good on the music front. And we have another lengthy cinematic with another cute anime fairy that bridges us to the actual game. And I yeah, I was immediately fucking impressed, man. Like like even the way it cut from the cinematic to the gameplay gameplay had care an extra effort to it. I don't know if you remember, but the when you go from that fairy cinematic and go to the game screen, the screen is drawn in a spiral pattern outward as opposed to just appearing on the screen. You know mm. what I mean? And like that's like that's a zoo, that's a very small thing, but that's care and effort. You know what I mean? Mm. And that of course usually has ripple effects in the way everything is done in the game. And yeah, I would say the controls are good. There's a bunch of information in the HUD at the bottom that suggests it's not just like a shitty one-hit death game. And there's some RPG stuff going on, so that's pretty cool. Looks pretty damn good. The enemies are original and varied, I, I would say. Like, their attack pattern and the, the taking damage hitbox stuff isn't perfect with them, but it's, you know, nowhere near nowhere near trash, I would say. And yeah. you can definitely you can get that on an action platformer. But the I also, a cool thing, too, I dealt with a few weapons right away. Like, I had the axe, and the game calls it a spear. Yeah. It looks like a badass. It actually looks like the badass sword from the title screen of that Deep Sword game. You remember that, like the the prong sword? Yeah. That's like a really. That's what it, it looks like. Look like that. Yep. And then they also have a straight up traditional sword that, uh, again, just like in the first level, I think I encountered all those, and that's pretty cool. And they also have some special attack shit that is constrained by a meter in the HUD, like a you know like a special attack of some kind, you know. So there's like some varied mechanics to it, and that's. Also, not fucking requisite for a side-scrolling platformer. I got to the boss of the end and died, but I think there could be a game episode here. Like, yeah, I think would... it's possible. It it makes me feel like I would want to read the manual to like to play this game again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, all right, let me get give me the real stuff. Let me let me figure out what I'm actually doing here. You know? Let me yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some time. That would that especially for an action platformer with a bunch of different mechanics in it. That's a, you know, that completely change your experience for sure. And I, I didn't do that either. So, you know, I was able to get all that, get that impression entirely on intuition. So yeah, with actual information, it probably gets even better. I guess. But and then it's also another one too that I feel like was fondly responded to on mm. the social. You know what I mean? So that that's a good sign as well. And for that, we have the top 30, and the top 10 is a murderer's row of NES 5. <laughs> yeah. Dude. It goes TMNT, which actually is probably the weak point on this list, right? and <laughs> Mega, Mega Man 2, Super Mario Bros. 2, Zelda 2, Dragon Warrior, Legend of Zelda, SMB 3, Ninja Gaiden, DuckTales, Technology. Yeah, I mean, come on, like lit fucking list top 10 and their little blurb for mario 3 is very shit talk yeah, i don't even know you clock this was small but it, it, so it says you've played it on play choice 10 and now it's coming home to your nes this is just the beginning <laughs> which yeah, yeah that is defensive response to it only being at number seven like is that that right. was my <laughs> that, you know like watch this is about to be a top number one for it is going to Set your fucking NES ablaze for the next, oh, I don't know, 18 months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was hotness, fun. hotness everywhere. This that's like when I saw this, I'm like, you know what? This whole top 30 is fire. Like this is the a the apex of the 8-bit era. I'm done. Like, this is it. Like this list. This like where should I go for the retro hotness 8-bit? Right here. Like yep. it's here. Yeah, oh, the next, but you know, that, that's again me pointing out that thing with that's what I, you know, kind of was alluding to a little bit with 
like I had my NES already, but I don't think for long when I when I when I got that this issue. And the next 12 months with that subscription aligned very closely and probably not by coincidence with the height of my NES fandomonium. Like I wrote a young author's Nintendo book in third grade. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. I fucking it was Super Mario Brothers themed like it, it you know that's I was fucking into it and this was like the era that I was dialed into it and I think it is the golden era golden era per se of NES gaming you know this yep. this next year so it's just so amazing to me that this is you know uh, and like I said like it's not not entirely not by design I'm sure on Nintendo's behalf I mean but it is still interesting to me that I was able to line up to it like that you know what i mean it's it's cool i think so yeah there's fucking ton of heat happening right now i i the other thing outside the top 10 i like the most was that marble madness is all the way up at 13 i thought that's like i love marble madness but i'm surprised to see it at 13 you know it's higher than than i would expect others people bitch about that game because it's not it, it's the kind of game that you need the trackball and the arcade for to really get the full experience so people yeah. bitch about the bitch about the nes port a lot. i mean i don't agree with it but you know i i'd fucking love that game on nes but uh, this is a different a, type of game. Yeah, pretty good. It's in the fucking Nintendo Power Awards for PvP. Foreshadowing what my vote, vote might be the for that category. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, we have previews, and we have two pages on Square's Final Fantasy. First up, and this is hitting in May. And the table setting blurb on the first page mentions it having a lithium battery to save on, just like Zelda and Link is the way they put it. And for some reason. They're using the shorthand for those tentpole titles like that really made me happy, you know, that they didn't I know, just just kind of like it was conversational of of something that is very near and dear to them as a property, you know. So I, I was surprised to see it so flippantly referred to, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, this this makes me really want to play Final Fantasy. I'm like, is this out now? Like this look at these characters like I'm, I'm interested. Not yet. And you got to fucking finish Ultima first so we can get out of there, motherfucker. Dude, Ultima can go. Ultima can, yeah. I, I will, we'll of course talk about it. But the once you level up and shit and start, like I'm, I'm in caves getting shit now, and it's infinitely more enjoyable. You got You got to do the grinding work for sure to for the game to be approachable. Uh, I have, I have like mostly ninety nines in the important places now. Like that's where I'm at grinding wise, and. The, if you think back, the hint book told us, said, got to max those fuckers out. So the thought of even doing that is just like I could think of like a thousand other things I'd rather do. Like, a th like pretty much anything else. Like I could go cut the grass instead of doing that. Like, I don't even <laughs> cut the grass right now. Like, <laughs> somebody so, else does that. <laughs> it's, it's super easy to do. Just going down, just taking trips to Ambrosia. Anyways. The this is all aimed at conveying the incredible strides this RPG takes in scope and depth compared to what we've seen so far in the system, and I think it does a great job of that. Like, like you said, you're fired up for it. And the artwork in the bottom right is really cool. Also, I like that the, the I use in our key art, very cool. And the power meter is only a 77.5 percent, which I thought I could probably rile Jab up pretty good with in our group chat, but he didn't take the bait. It was uh, that was pretty sad. <laughs> I thought he would get very defensive about that, but not the case. After that, we have a couple pages on a March Capcom release, Codename Viper. 
And this comes across to be kind of in the Metal Gear vein, I would say, like a secret military operative running around rescuing prisoners, gathering intel, and the setting being in South America in this case instead of wherever the fuck I can't think of where Metal Gear was supposed to be. Maybe South America too, I guess. What's the difference? It's a fucking jungle. But the, the uh, it's this is jungle a side war game. Yeah, yeah, it's a side scroll though, as opposed to obviously Metal Gear's top down. And it, I would like. Fucking with it, like it leeches onto the Reagan administration's war on drugs themes pretty heavily. Like, they make the baddies a so drug, yeah, yeah. A drug trafficking syndicate, and up. Like I fired it up, and I re- actually, yeah, the probably the most interesting thing about firing it up is I realized once I got going that this is the game where your guy walks into his superior's office with no pants on, and this is like a notorious, right? yeah, <laughs> a notorious screenshot from the NES. Yeah, so he like walks in and like his pants are colored. Like the color palette limitations on the NES basically corner the developers into giving his pants the same color as his skin tone. So, and he's even got like, and this is crude of me to maybe point out, but he's also got a little fupa. <laughs> do you know? Do you, do, yeah, right. Do, 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 do you recall what a fupa is, Jay? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I just figured his like package was there, and he's like pantsless. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, this is that's an infamous NES screenshot. And the game though is otherwise kind of bleh. Like, yeah, not... I, I want to like the game, but I the controls, the jumping won't let me. I'm just like, no, I just yeah, I will not... get angry and throw the controller. Not notable, and it's another game too. Like you know, we just talked about how like oh, good feedback on the socials for it. Usually, I mean, like people talk positively about this game too, but I, you know, I think I think that's nostalgia getting them. I don't know if it's you know recent. Need to get a little recency bias, maybe I, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, it's usually recency <laughs> bias is usually referred to as a negative. Maybe you should get some for this if you think this is a good game because it's not. I don't think. Last in here is three pages on Konami's blockbuster sequel to Contra, Super C, and seven pages, actually, if you count the four-panel poster that comes right after it that we already talked about. And this game is out, and I was thinking slash hoping it wouldn't be because it is the cover feature on the next issue. Which I know offhand, but it's an April drop, so it is technically out, so... By the rules that we go by, it is game eligible, game F eligible rather. They have a full map and tip breakdown for stage one, and little blurbs about stages two through eight are here, and rather in here. And the power meter is fours across the board for an 80% aggregate, which is solid, obviously. The tagline reads, Defeat doesn't mean forever to mad mobs from outer space, which is, I don't know, there's like some alliteration going on in there. It's fucking, it's interesting. Or rather good, I should say. And the very first tip, know thy enemy, is basically to memorize the game. And that's a terrible fucking tip. (laughs) Know those patterns. Like, all right, this is what's happening. Which, yes, it's great, but that's not a tip. That's... (laughs) I don't know, I guess, fuck, whatever. That's the way these games operate, maybe. I guess you could say this, but... Anyways... But yeah, whatever gets you the finish line, right? And whatever the whatever the fucking thing is that makes it <laughs> not want to spike your controller off the floor. That's <laughs> funny. I misremembered this all this time, and I was thinking for some reason that Super C came out for the Super Nintendo. So when I looked at this, I was like, "Oh wait, this is on the oh, NES." Just, probably like, because they called every game on the Super Nintendo Super something. Super, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just hit my mind naturally this was a Super Nintendo game. So when I saw that, I, I fired it up. I was like, no, I can play this. This game is great. Like, but I don't think I ever beat it. I don't, I don't feel either. And that's like that. I beat it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's its own. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't think I ever beat it either. I think it was just like I didn't have it for sure. It was just a rental thing. Yeah, that's good. 
before we jump off the topic like that, I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, like Nintendo, you know, they do a lot of good marketing stuff, but it was not their high watermark to like, they did that with both the Super Nintendo and the 64 where like everything just had 60, which, you know, again, counter argument, you're branding it with the system. It like has a very, you know, you're trying to line things up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what it's for and when, you know, that's, that's is a marketing tool, but I I like originality more than that. Personally, I'm not, I think that's (laughs) kind of sucks, but whatever yeah whenever i get an itch to play a contra game i always choose the original so yeah i i played it but definitely never beat it and that would make it a relatively new experience for me i think for a game app so that that's an attractive thing you know to to talk about i i did fire it up, like you know i had that memory of it but I, I did fire it up just to like refresh and make sure i wasn't speaking out of turn with that statement and dude yeah the, the opening shot of your chopper your, your dude drops down out of is apex nes pixel art for sure oh like the, for sure man there's like the stormy sky background like in the stage and shit it's it's, it's pretty good so yeah you get like sometimes you get those good cinematics but like that's just like in-game shit you know and it's like i mean as good as you're going to get actual gameplay stuff to probably look on an nes so that's that's pretty cool and i think i know why i've never gotten into this game and it's because it feels like i'm playing contra but something is just off. You know what I mean? Like, I can't explain. (laughs) And it's not off as in worse. I don't mean that it's like a lesser game, of course. Not not of course, but I don't feel like it's a lesser game. It's just, it's like, it just feels weird because I'm used to the comfort of the original that I have played so many fucking times. You know what I mean? So like little things, just like the shooting and kind of just the stages not being, because, you know, the, the first Contra is, you know, we talked shit about that tip a moment ago, but like, that I it's like memorized to the you know where picks. they're coming you, you jump crazy. here you, you drop here yeah. yeah yeah so you know just that that's part of the fun of contra is the that like familiar repetition you know what I mean so not having that for a contra game is kind of fucking weird you know so you know but I mean it's clearly a good game though and uh, you know I'm sure I could banish that weird feeling over the course of a game app. I I was trying to I was hoping that the uh, the contra code worked here. Like for, I thought it did, but it didn't work. It's, 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 there's five code. It's not the. I think I, I want to say you only get ten. You don't get thirty. Wow. It's different. It's it's. I, I think it's kind of close actually. I, I can't remember offhand what it is, but it's not the exact up up down down thing. It's like something kind of close to that. And yeah, I think you only get ten lives. So if we do do Anything it, we don't would be helpful. I say exactly. We don't. And I think there's more. I think the continue thing works a little better in this too than the first one. But yeah, the we, we would definitely not need to do it. Well, we'd have fucking save states anyways. Also, but you know, um, we wouldn't have to do it uh, super hard way. You know, there there is a way to make it easier for sure. Um, and up next, holy fucking shit! I can't believe I had forgotten about this. There is yes, the a a four page. Dragon Warrior themed text adventure in like choose your own adventure format in here. Like this is another thing where I just like I can't believe I, I like I, I spent I just looked at it I read it so many fucking times. Even though it's a four page choose your own adventure, like it, there's no you know it couldn't be more basic in the st- like they're all little short blurbs it's not like you have whole pages or anything yeah i remember just fucking absolutely loving this as a kid and again just having all that it's the perfect thing 
having this issue and not having any of the others and wanting the next one to come and just like fixating on it. It's the perfect thing that gives you some replayability with the read. You know what I mean? There's like, it's like the perfect yeah. tool to have and something you only have one of, you know, uh, in magazine format. I mean, so yeah, it was, it was just, it, it landed perfectly on me. And obviously I love the game too. So this, yeah, this fucking game there, that, that, this little choose your adventure thing was awesome. And I mean, honestly, before we even talk about the specifics of specifics of it, we probably have no choice but to discuss choose your own adventure books, the actual ones. Dude, they're the greatest thing ever. Look, okay. When I was <laughs> in the fifth grade, we moved from where I used to live in Columbus, Ohio, to a different, a different complete neighborhood in Columbus. So, but in order for me to go to the same school, my mom had to like drive me to and from mm. from school. But since she got off of work later than when I got out of school, I would go to the library. So that's when I would, you know, sit and read Nintendo Powers, comic books, you know, and choose your own adventure books. So for me, that was part of my rotation. I'm like, all right, is there a new choose your own adventure book in the library today? I'm I'm into it, man. That was my my afternoon escape for sure. That's cool. Yeah, we had a we had a ton of them too. So yeah, I, I was into them. Um yeah, I I probably read every single one of them in the library at school. Like there were so many, <laughs> there were just like so fucking many of them. And I don't believe I ever owned a single one. Like, yeah, I, I read them at school or the yeah. library or, and I, and I remember them being available in this classic book club stuff. You could get them, but I, like, I, I'd like to think that even the kid in me could tell they did not have replay value. You know what I mean? That they were a one use <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? So, I think that's maybe what went into that, but yeah. What I was, I mean, do you do you remember? Did I was even more into these actually, and they were also in the school library, and I think they're from the same publisher. And they, yeah, they are from Phantom, now Random House, uh, but they were called Time Machine series. Did, did you have these? I don't recall those. They were they were also Choose Your Own Adventure, same style kind of thing, but mm-hmm. and I didn't remember this, but in reading about them, they only would have one ending, whereas. The Choose Your Adventure books would have multiple endings that you could bump into. But there, there's only one ending with these. Just they had different routes and fail states in between the end point. You know what I mean? So slightly different format. And then you also had an inventory. And I fucking love inventories. So like the opening of the book, <laughs> you would have to choose between a list of potential inventory items to start your thing with. So that would affect obviously how the outcomes of things that would happen in the book, you know what I mean? Which was really fucking cool to me. I remember as a kid and thinking like that level of complexity added to just the coolness of choose your own adventures was very appealing, you know, even as a kid. So that was very cool. That's detailed, man. For for sure. They're, and they were cool too. And there, there were fewer of them. And I just feel like maybe the quality was a little better. You know, I remember a civil war one where you had that you were like a, I think you were a north. You were a northern soldier trying to infiltrate a southern uh, unit or something, you know. Or there were there was something, and I, they all had time machine or time travel involved with them. Hence the name, time machine, yeah. of course. So yeah, they were. They was just, you know, they were they they were very cool. And actually, later on in middle school, I think I would find there's another choose your own adventure book series called Grail Quest that are even more crazier and elaborate on on the kind of like, I don't know. Uh, game system front like you would have to these were medieval fantasy themed and i remember the one i had which i want to i think i might have stole from the library if i recall correctly (laughs) (laughs) now that i think about it but so yeah you you had to build a machine you had to build a little a little machine that did something that that 
affected what would happen in the story. So like the machine, I remember it was like a, a, a sewing thread spool, like an empty one without the thread gone on it. And you had to create like a, an axle in it with a rubber band, like with a, like a bar on the one side for the band to tie onto. And then it would go through the spool onto this thing, like a longer stick and it would make you, you could wind it up and it would like go on its own, you know, it would almost like an, uh, until the rubber band ran out of spins, you know, and it, I can't remember what the effect it had in the story, but like, I had to like go, I remember having to go around the house and like, source these materials <laughs> you know what i mean to create this little machine for the book i'm reading and like that is like really? to me as a kid i was like oh this is fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> source these dumbass things from around the house yeah it was fucking very very cool those are cool too um so yeah i was in all, all those are fucking great yeah the choose your own adventure stuff was great so yes so this dragon warrior choose your own adventure it, it follows the actual game quite well i would say it takes you up through stumbling into coal and finding out you need to head south south to Ramalder. like the the optimal end state of this is where you were you go into coal the place where the flute is the, the fountain the flute and they tell you that you have to go down to Ramalder to get the keys that you need to open up all the doors on the northern hemisphere you know so yeah i, I read through this so many fucking times i i would I wouldn't score the cart from a buddy, David Camargo, until late fourth grade at the, the the earliest, I would say. And this issue was a third grade acquisition for me. So I spent a year. Like, oh, so you had this stuff like in your yeah, head. Like, story, like, oh, my fucking God. You know, like, so, yeah, dude, this this hit me perfectly. And, and then, like because of that pullout strategy guy, we all like I had that. And then the map in this, like, I just had so much stuff about the story before I could get into it, you know? So, it, you know, just, yeah, it, uh, primed the fuck up and had, had nine year old me super primed for, for Dragonware. So yeah, this was a very cool thing. And, and I don't believe, I don't, I can't recall ever seeing one of these again. So it's just like a standalone weird one-off thing. And, you know, I, I've what, never seen this. Like I, yeah. I, I mean, clearly I've read this magazine. Maybe I skipped over this. Like maybe I did this and I was just like, eh, Okay. But doing this now, like, this is freaking cool, you know? Like, I've, I've, I feel like I've never seen it again mm. outside of the actual Choose Your Own Adventure stuff. Yeah. This is cool. And it helps, you know, it probably, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I already had that strategy guide from the earlier issue. So I was aware of this property, you know what I mean? Like, like reading this and not knowing or caring about it. It's probably a little heavy for a child that has just no exposure to it, you know, like get into this unless you are just like a fucking rabid choose your own adventure. You know, it's hard to say whether or not this, it's all text. There's a million of the cool things in this magazine. Like it's probably, you know, tough for everyone to be to jump out at everyone. But yeah, yeah very cool. And I wish they had done more of them for sure. After this, or after that, rather, we have four pages of Game Boy action, and it's all garbage, in my view. This there's a this Konami flying shmup nemesis uh, was probably hot for kids into that genre, but not I. And otherwise, everything is dog shit in here. I think a bunch of puzzlers and stuff that are pretty shitty. Moving on. Yeah, and we have Super Spring Smash Hits. New games now available for nine pages is next. And first is Tecmo World Wrestling, which is finally out after being teased to us in ads for quite a while now. And I remember this game being good. There's no licensing, all original characters, but there's creativity in the characters, so that's good. And there's a train aspect to the game. So 
i.e. character development, basically. And the graphics are phenomenal <laughs> compared to WWF and WCW wrestling and uh, also the NOA Black Box game. So, you know, by far and away the best looking wrestling game for sure. And there's just no debate there, I don't think. And it has little cutscenes that I would equate a lot to Super Tecmo Bowl's cutscenes, you know, where you'll be in the action and you'll do something and it'll cut out of the game view and give you a quick cinematic of in line with what you just did, you know, and that again, just it's a gimmick, but you didn't have that in NES games, sports games back then. It's just not, it's, you know, it's like essentially an, an instant replay cam, you know, and that's mm-hmm. fucking cool. And the power meter isn't even 70% here. So yeah, I fired it up. And to me, yeah, there's just no question whatsoever that it is the best wrestling game on the system so far. Did you fuck with it at all? I'm actually downloading the ROM the correct way right now. Because <laughs> I loved this game as a kid. And when I saw this, I was like, it's that one. It's the one that was good. And I couldn't find the ROM, of course. So now I'm like in the background, like, that's the zip. I'm playing this game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I fun, enjoyed this game, dude, so much. You create, so create much. your own character, you know, and pick their. It's, it's, it's. Just this is the one with in between stages, like you can do push ups and stuff like <laughs> that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a pretty fucking good wrestling game, and like I said, yeah, just leaps and bounds better than the licensed ones that we've seen. It's not surprising because those are from companies that are just fucking licensed dog shit and throw it out on the market. And Tecmo, <laughs> Tecmo actually makes good games. <laughs> so after that, we have a Natsumi Milton Bradley Space Shmup, and it hit back in December, and I bet it fucking sucks, and or I bet. I did bet that it fucking sucked, and I fired it up, and it does fucking suck. The, the <laughs> power meter is 65%, and that is a fucking lie. <laughs> so, eh, on that one, I assume, did you did you try that? No, man. I I skipped over this on purpose, like, no chance. Like, this, I remembered this sucking. And <laughs> sucking so, yeah, why, why, why go through that again to remind myself? I, I know what's going on. I didn't remember it. Because I avoided these back then too, but yeah, it was fucking horrible. And then we have another Jalico joint, base is loaded two up next, and I already talked about it. It's an awesome sim with some annoying gameplay ticks for sure, but overall, I love and own it. And the power meter is only sixty five percent, which is offensive to me that the last game has sixty five percent, and that <laughs> this has the same rating is fucking absolute dog shit to me. <laughs> And then we have another baseball title, Culture Brains Baseball Simulator 1000 after that. And I never heard of this, but it looks pretty fucking crazy. Did you really did you really fucking dig into this? No, uh, man, I skipped this because I, I was actually enjoying playing Bases Loaded 2 myself. Like I got a I got a freaking double play in the first inning. I was I was pretty pumped. It's so, good baseball game. I, I played that and I was just like, this is a baseball simulator, like what like it looks interesting, but it sounds like it, it. That's you know that's can't why. decide. <laughs> it it sounds like generic. It's a generic-y sounding title for yeah, it. Yeah, like know? what is happening there? Right. So yeah, I never even. I'm sure I've seen it places and stuff, but it's just never. I've never even like that. Doesn't sound like it's worth looking at. But looking at the piece, there was enough crazy shit going on there that I was like, well, maybe, and again, just being thorough, check it out. So yeah, it, it looks fucking crazy, dude. Like the piece reads like it's a spoof sports title, like kind of a la mutant league football, you know, it's got a yeah. season mode. It's got a battery backup, you know, which is, you don't see that in fucking sports games, a team creator and a long list of special moves for players, you know? So 
that all was just like, again, just so outside the box of what you normally see for a sports game on the NES. And they give it a 67.5 on the power meter, so slightly better than bases loaded 2, according to these fuckers, which... Ugh, bullshit also but the yeah so i fired it up and yeah dude the ga- it's a wild ass game man like there is incredibly elaborate simulation aspects to the team management there's a bunch of different kinds of stadiums you can play in like on an island in space like there's all these different crazy stadiums and i would say the gameplay is very rbi baseballish the just like the 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 way it feels and looks and stuff, but yeah. the or the special skill aspect of it makes it like a completely batshit insane baseball game. Like I had no idea. Like it's something you I mean you you can't just jump into a game like this. Like there's so many special skills and stuff. Like I had no idea how to employ any of my own on the team. Like I mean I took a pre-made team just to like get into it real quick, and I had no idea how to employ my own. And the computer was doing all sorts of dirty ass shit on me. So, so like, you know, I like, you know, the fucking, there's just no way to like really uh, be good in it, you know, not knowing that stuff. But I could see the intrigue of it. And if you did understand those systems, it would probably be a pretty fucking fun baseball game. Like if you learn the strategy of all that stuff. And I guess, man, I, I looked at this and it's. I'm like, I see, all I see is Ninja Ball, Meteor Hit, and I'm just like, this is some silliness, and I just kind of moved on. Like, <laughs> and it is, but, like, that's, the you know, the that's, it, that's... The, I, Simulator yeah. and silliness at the same time. I'm like... That, but that's a, but yeah, you know, I mean, did you like Mutant League Football? Have you played Mutant League Football? I... I don't remember it a lot, which means I either okay, didn't yeah. play it or didn't like it. See, Mutant League I, Football is so fucking good dude it is it's madden like it's like simulation it's it is it is the madden skin it's just madden skinned with a bunch of wacky ass shit and it is so fucking fun and so original and so cool that i am that alone makes me open to a game like this because i know how much i absolutely fucking love that game so fair enough fair enough yeah i mean i think you know it's the kind of thing it's like it's it's a lot you're clearly not going to game up this like an nba jam type of kind of experience for you. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good that's a good uh I don't know the thing like NBA Jam is like an incredibly good first of all it's 16 bits that alone obviously it's better and just the way wow. the game, game plays but the yeah there's just I don't know if there's enough incentive to engage the systems of the game well and long enough to learn it to get to the stage where it becomes fun you know what I mean being an older game like this and there being so many baseball games and baseball games in general not being a great enough and attractive enough thing to spend that time there's just like a million things in the way kind of like with that subway the submarine simulation it's just like i would love to get to that point but i don't think i will have the time or willingness to get to that point to really look to really see if it's as good as i think it could be you know what i mean just which is a bummer but interesting for sure to say the least it's definitely an interesting baseball installment and a, I'm sure there, there's, there's, my guess is there's probably a nice little subset of, of kids that fucking just love that game because it's so different and unique and just pluck the right, hit the right switches for them. You know what I mean? After that, we have Data East Formula, or rather a Data East Formula One car racer, and it is also 65% on the power meter, and it's probably about as good as this game could possibly be on the NES firing it up but uh, i fucking absolutely hated racing game racing game simulator like fuck the fuck off you know what i mean like rc pro am 
the iron fucking whatever monster. Oh, yeah. I mean, like Ivan Stewart or whatever, like games like that, that again, make it a little fun and a little less simulation-y. Cool. But a simulation racing game, like reverse, you know, or rather from POV. I actually thought this was a fun game. Really? And Yeah, like racing wise, like it was fun, but realizing that it was more serious and you got to like, yeah, the more sim aspect of it, I was like, eh, I'm not like it. it, it it's the thing. It's the reason why I want to get more into Forza because it's like the greatest racer. You know, that's one of our top games. You know, Forza Seven, and so, but obviously the graphics are amazing and beautiful there, and you know, it's it's a much more it's the experience. Whereas this is just like ah, I don't really want to do that at this level with what they have available. But like that's the racing it. itself is kind of fun, but that's going to limit me because I'm not just doing a race here. I gotta do the extra things and I'm, I'm not investing that time yeah agreed after that we have broder buns battle of olympus a zelda 2 clone that we've talked about before the power meter is 72.5 percent which i think is a little high maybe <laughs> and a new hudson soft joint however the fuck you pronounce this zesus i'm going i was gonna say zexies like that. Zexies, zexies is probably right yeah that that middle x probably needs to be enunciated yeah zexies and this hit in April, and yeah, just what is the fucking deal with these space games of this era and their jumble fuck X's and Y's and Z naming conventions? Like Zevius, unique man. It's not unique though. They all just fucking run together for me. It makes them all run together. <laughs> Zevius, Zanek, like fuck off. I don't know. I can't even begin to differentiate them. You know. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I, I actually remember. For me, it's like Zevius. I remember that because it was a good one. This, I. I have fun with this game, man. It has fun sprites. Like, the colors are cool. Like, I'd never heard of this before, but I was having fun playing it. Did you try it? I did, yeah. I, I expected it to suck like those other ones. It it has a 75% on the power meter, and, a, like, it's not really a space shooter. It's more of an action RPG, I would say. Like, yeah, it like reminded me... Kind of. Yeah, that's exactly what I equated to, Blaster Master, for sure. It's it's nowhere near trash, but it's also nowhere near as good as Blaster Master. So, I understand trying to, you know... It's not a game that's done, overly done, that type of game. So I can see trying to make another one and whatever. But yeah, it was not for me. I, I mean, think. I think it was cool just because you're able to go in each of these little, I don't know what they call, like little portals, you know, and like right. there's like bosses and things there. It just, it was different enough that I was surprised because it seemed, I thought it was more basic. But I was like, right. okay, that's interesting stuff here. That's surprising. That's the exact way you would describe Blaster Master. <laughs> And last up is uh, we have another appearance of Kimco's Rescue the Embassy Mission, and I still like the idea of playing it, but I'm hesitant about making it game episode worthy. So maybe that's one that I'll fuck with on a stream too at some point, just as something to do. They give it a 67.5 on the power meter, and after these messages, we'll be right back. Super Mario 3, Nintendo, now you're playing with power. That is a Super Mario Bros. 3 commercial for the U.S. market 
listed as 1990 in the vid title, but there is some comment vitriol down below that says that's wrong. And it was playing on boob tubes in late 89, which would actually make a lot of sense based on, you know, them trying to pimp this game. But the there's no screenshots at all in the thing. It's just an entire army of white kids dressed in uniforms that form a massive Mario head that is shown like as the, like the cameras like it starts on kids faces and then zooms out to space and basically takes you up to you can see most of the North American continent and there's a huge Mario head on mostly the central US but it does spill across the Canadian and Mexican borders so they weren't limiting themselves to just US based hyperbole here <laughs> <laughs> they were letting it fucking be a little more international Yep. Trying to tell us that the Mario hype has taken over North America. Yes, yes, over yes. message received. So the Counselor's Corner segment kicks us off here. And in here we have Willow, Dragon Warrior, a couple of ISOH game alums, game up alums in DuckTales or Disney's DuckTales, rather here they specified, <laughs> and River City Ransom. And then we have Shadowgate and Legacy of the Wizzy. And the Dragon Warrior tip is the location of Erdrich's armor and Hawksness. So that's pretty fun. And the rest are pretty meh. But we do have Counselor's Corner here. And that's pretty fucking... Or rather, the Counselor Profiles. And Gar Lindstrom wins the Mullet Award in a landslide. <laughs> Even though it's just uh, it's just a little little baby flare in the back and, and <laughs> but it's stand- enough though <laughs> yeah for sure pretty standard fare up front too but uh, he definitely wins and he digs bowling computers chess and Seattle sports Jay the greatest yeah. knowing that they're all Seattle and natives now makes so much more sense like they're <laughs> hot it's like exciting <laughs> Aerosmith is what Denise said like of course into <laughs> the the Seattle grunge burgeoning scene. Like. Sure, sure. So yeah, the his, his greatest accomplishment is being the first GPC to complete Friday the Thirteenth. The first that. So yeah, that is no small feat. That's a hard ass game to beat. I did it for we for our game. We actually did. The, sorry, that's a game app alum. Jesus Christ, how did I forget that? <laughs> Jab and I did did a game app on that, and I did beat it. And it's fucking hard, man. That game is. <laughs> Dude, I, I questioned Denise. Like, her greatest accomplishment is Mega Man, like a Mega Man 9 million score. Like, who keeps track of score in Mega Man? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, dude, you like, have nothing. About hey, you're speaking from the perspective of a normal human being with a normal life. This is a human being that does nothing but play video games all fucking day. So. I guess, man. <laughs> you would be setting dumbass goals for yourself just to fill the time, you know? But to, for that to be your greatest accomplishment, though, I, it's one thing if that's that super goal. fucking hard, dude. It's probably so <laughs> fucking hard. That game is so hard. <laughs> oh, five, five. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that these people are talking about Guardian Legend. Like, three of them were talking Guardian Legend. Well, then here's uh, that's that is part of the thing, dude. Like, there's, yeah, uh, fucking. It's in here every issue. It's a it's repeatedly in these game counselors mentions. So uh, I knew there had to be some heat there to it. And actually, I, I looked up Gar and found his LinkedIn because I'm a fucking weirdo. And so he did four years at Nintendo. There's no mention of being a counselor. His title at Nintendo is assistant lead. And then he has two listings 
at EA Electronic Arts running concurrently from 98 to 2002. And he's a game master at EA Inc. and an assistant producer at EA Seattle. So I just thought that was very interesting in his, you know, fucking company history. <laughs> like so, how many people continue in the video game industry in some type of way after this, you know? Yeah, well, these, yeah, these counselors for sure too. And yeah, because they hired mostly young people. And like, I know that the one that I remember hearing that interview of the one time he, he hired super young and yeah, he, you know, bounced around as well afterwards. So it was definitely a good inroad to the video game industry for sure. I think. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you already mentioned her. We have a, a very rare female presence here with Denise, and yeah, her hobbies are Aerosmith, beach bumming, and hang gliding. Beach bumming isn't really a Seattle hobby, though. I would say, I don't think. Yeah, it's... I mean, there's there's yeah, like beaches, beach. but like they're cold as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's not what I really think about doing. Like, it's one thing if you're the type of person you just like being by water. Maybe she likes going walking by them all the time or something. Maybe that's her definition. I don't know. Yeah. Agreed. Everyone but our main man, Gar. Yeah, mentions Guardian Legend. So, yeah, I mean, fucking, that's that's what led to me doing that. And then we have Classified Info next. And the entire first page is punch-out codes and tips. Right? <laughs> I, I was upset as fuck right away. But, like, you know, because I was, like, looking. I told you I went back and, like, looked up all the Tyson tips I could find. But the Tyson tips here are fucking useless, too. So. Yeah. We did it the right way. We went through it. So. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, didn't miss out on anything. The, the codes are straight to Tyson, the alternate world circuit, which is an interesting one, and one that I was actually not aware of, a straight to the end credits one, which is interesting because if you recall, there are no end credits when you actually beat the game. Mm. Yeah. So this is just built in there. You get a code to go see the interesting. Right, yeah. This is just, like again, kind of like that. It's harking back to that the video game designer thing at the time where they tried to like not put that shit in there. So they would try to work in the back door somehow the credits, you know what I mean? And that's, they did it here too with that. And they, they actually don't mention that here suggesting they've never fucking beat Tyson. <laughs> yeah, 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 those motherfuckers. So I thought that was funny too, but beyond that, we have a bad dude, 63 lives code. A, we have Mega Man two. We have Cobra triangle. We have double dragon two. We have dino trash fire, fucking Ricky. And what? Uh, and we have <laughs> Vegas Dream. The Double Dragon Code is a continue that only works in stages two and three, and it says their agents are now in search for codes for latter stages. That's what they disclaim here. So, I think it's very interesting that there's a continue code that only works in those stages. That's yeah. Weird. I don't know. I didn't need to continue in those stages, so I don't know. <laughs> I played it. Probably why it's available there. I wonder if their agents ever ever found a ladder ladder game one. We shall find out, I suppose. They also explain the cheese about how you can when you're player one, you can start a player two game and then beat the shit out of that player and take their lives. Just start the game with seven lives, which I like. You know, it's there's been a few. It was something too in the, a previous mention of Double Dragon two, like maybe in the feature they did on or something, where like I. Like I don't remember anything about that game necessarily. Just offhand, if you ask me to give you random facts about. The game, there's not much I could probably spout, but like I read that, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like one of those things, like up oh, jars memory. Yes, that's a thing for sure. It's so funny. I've never used that, and I, yeah. like I said, I beat it recently, and I just never did that. I just never felt the need. But I can see how it's swinging dick, Jay. Real fucking impressive, bro. <laughs> 
I love Double yet. Dragon. Acumen. <laughs> so we have video shorts coming down the pipe at us next. And then this is Taxon's Eight Eyes, the Falconer platformer that we've already talked about. And it gets a 68.75% on the power meter. And that's a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. And then Culture Brain's Magic of Shahrazad. Yeah, it's an action. It's a an Arabian themed action RPG that gets a seventy one point two five percent. And I wasn't sure if I'd played this in my life or not, so I fired it up. And I had definitely never played it. It was all completely foreign. But it, I don't know. It's interesting. Like it's it's like it's a little barren on the aesthetics front, I would say. But there is unquestionably some charm to it. And, and like I oddly wanted to keep pushing on further. And the brief play that I had on it, like the enemies were boring looking. Spray art is a little basic, but there was just something about it that like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like you had to choose an Arabian class at the beginning, and that was interesting. So you had to choose between a fighter, a saint, or a magician to play as. So that's kind of cool mm. and unique, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Did you fuck with it at all or no? Nah, man. I <laughs> I immediately did not want to play it due to what I'm calling the Ultima effect. You heard it here first. Meaning, if it's an adventure RPG that I have never heard of, I'm steering clear. There's a reason I've never heard of it. Nope. Skipping it. <laughs> it kind of like, it's a game that, honestly, oddly, that right, it's right next to it here in, this, in the mag. Like, that and uh, Taxa and Eight Eyes is like, they kind of, they're a little bit the same thing in my mind, you know, it's like they're games that just kind of run together and I've never fucked with either enough to be able to differentiate, you know? So yeah, I like I said, I wasn't even sure if I'd played it or not. So, and it, it was not horrible. That, uh, definitely for sure. <laughs> After that, we have data East heavy barrel and that hit in March. So it is now fair game for game up territory shit. And this is a top down military shmup with a absolutely lit co-op action going on with it that I remember quite fondly Jab had the cart of this and it's kind of I would say it's kind of the Akari Warriors 2.0 that Akari Warriors sequels never realized is, is, is how I would describe this like it's that idea it has a pretty fun loot crate system where you get keys from dudes you frag and there are like way more boxes to unlock than the keys you have so you kind of have to make decisions you know even though you have no clue what's in them but it just makes you make quick choices and that's keeps you engaged maybe more than your average scrolling shmup might, you know, so that that's kind of cool. And yeah, it would be, I, mean, I think it would be an absolute blast to couch co-op for sure. So that's an intriguing thing. And they give it a 67.5%. And I think that is a low ball without a doubt compared to some of the other shit they've given similar scores to. So I did not have my, the ROM for this, but it looks like my type of game. That yeah, it, uh, I, I'm almost certain you would dig this game, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, why not? I mean, it's very, it's very, you know, it's right up there with, it's right there with Jackal as far as quality and and game type for sure. And for that, we have Ultra's Kings of the Beach. We've talked about it already. They give it a seventy-two point five percent on the meter here. And then we have long-awaited Trade West's Magic Johnson's fast fucking break here. And the moment of reckoning is upon me. I've been shitting on this game from memory since we started this podcast, and now it's out. So now we're going to find out what's what. And yeah, like I, I promised Jab many moons ago that if I played it and it was good, I would tweet magic and apology. <laughs> if, I, if I was in fact wrong. 
And the power meter, they give it here, is a 55%, and that's pretty fucking bad. So I was feeling super confident about my belief system before firing it up, dude. The title screen music is absolutely hilarious. not fit at all with the sports you know like it just didn't <laughs> did not fucking fit and actually playing the game no apology is necessary at fucking all it is the atari 2600 basketball game is better than this and i fucking mean that from the bottom of my heart it is m infinitely more fun than this fucking game like the game is absolutely unplayable it's two on two <laughs> it's a two on two game the sprites are microscopic like there is absolutely zero skill to play in the game that could translate to actual basketball strategy like oh my fucking god fuck this game dude it is it's it's like uh, <laughs> like it's worth noting that the tip in the mag blurb is to cherry pick that's the tip they give you they tell you to to inbound the ball all the way down the court for an easy lay-in which they call the showtime play of magic johnson cherry picking <laughs> You know, and yeah, that's that's the best tip they can give you. And it's also weird that they speak of Magic as one of the best players in the game, which is a thousand percent accurate for the early 1990. But obvious that, like, you know, so much has changed. <laughs> you know, like that. Like now he's known for something so different. You know, like it's just weird to see him spoken about with no mention of that context. You know, it's just like it's been so long. Since that was the case, you know, it was fucking weird to me uh, to read about it like that. You know, read about it from a 1990 perspective. Do you, I, I remember watching... I remember... I, what the hell was that? I was with, somewhere with my uncle. Like some family shit on maybe... I don't know if it was our side of the family or my aunt's side of the family. But I remember sitting in this basement watching the 1992 All-Star game where he came back and played even after the announcement, you know. And it was like a whole fucking thing. And I just remember sitting there in the... Like, just riveted by watching that. Everybody was. It was like, whoa. Yeah, what in the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that was, that's what I think. Whatever I think of Magic, that's what I think about sitting there. You know, 1990, I'm age nine, like trying to wrap your head around what all that means. Like, you can't do that. Who would have thought decades later he'd still just be chilling and everything's going to be good. Roll, <laughs> dude. Like, he was one of the guys in L.A. that got the fucking, uh, him and Arsenio Hall and I think one other person. Danny Trejo, I might have been the other person, getting the vaccine. Oh, like, really? On stage at like a vaccine awareness and whatever rally, you know? Mm. So, yeah, like, I mean, just clearly fine. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> totally fucking fine. But yes, this game is fucking absolute dog shit. Yeah, you know what's terrible. funny, though? I, even playing NBA 2K, I haven't played it in pretty much since Outriders came out. Um, but. The um, when I was playing it, like I'm still looking for Magic Johnson as my point guard. Like I'm still searching for like the high level Magic Johnson card because he's tall and he can be that playmaker I need. Like so, yeah, it definitely could definitely back most point guards down for sure. <laughs> yeah, no question. 
Next is Taito's Target Renegade. This hit in March, and this is the sequel to the 88 release of Renegade, which I did not know was taken into franchise territory. I did not know that we had sequels to that. And <laughs> like I thought Double Dragon was kind of... Which I, yeah, you know, that was I, the sequel. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and I and there's like a... Like, kind of looking up stuff about it, there seems to be some sort of like, I don't know, universe overlap in the canonical acknowledgement of these series you know so i whatever but i give a shit about that i guess but interesting nonetheless and they give it a 65 percent on the power meter and i was not optimistic about this not sucking but i fired it up anyhow and the dude in the title screen pixel art has some wicked frosted tips (laughs) (laughs) i i had so i had this is a a story time jay i had some do you you remember actually i was living with you so i maybe you do remember i had some frosted tips circa 06 or 07 yeah so So I was doing a shirtless waiter catering job for one of those model catering companies I worked with when I first got to the city. Mm-hmm. And I did this wild-ass party in a really swanky apartment above the David Barton gym on West 23rd Street. Like okay. West 23rd and 7th, maybe it is, in Chelsea. And they actually had it hired the legendary burlesque dancer, Dita Von Teese. I don't know if you know anything about burlesque dancing. I didn't. I didn't know other than everyone telling me <laughs> that she was a legend in the burlesque dancing thing. It's funny. I would actually later I would see her at the box too. At one point, she was dancing. So she is. She's like a big name in that sequence or that circuit rather. But anyways, they hired her to do a fucking show in a bathtub that was in the middle of this party. So Dita Von Teese was naked doing a burlesque show in a bathtub. I was walking around shirtless with hors d'oeuvres on a fucking platter. Me and a bunch. And actually, John Bonavia, uh, our, our, our roommate, John Bonavia's goofy ass fucking dude. football fall on the lamp, dude, uh, sleeping on the futon in the living room. Yeah, he, he, was, he, he was at that event and probably some of the other cater dudes I had worked a lot with. Yeah, it was a fucking wild ass party. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they put us in towels. So I'm shirtless and they put us just in towels with like a, a, an oversized safety pin. On the side, yeah. you know, and I, I, I think I was wearing underwear underneath <laughs> and probably some fucking flip flops or something. But so I'm walking around like that. All the all the all the model waiters are. And, you know, it's packed with all sorts of fucking ritzy ass New York fucking people. And I met a high end hairdresser there that offered to cut my hair for free. And likely I think it was because I had a really bad haircut at the time. I like I I, I I was I think I was super new there and I I hadn't I couldn't hadn't couldn't find a good fucking haircut place like I remember getting a a, a haircut at the best cuts on like 79th and Broadway or some shit oh, like that yeah. fucking haircut and I think that's what I was rocking there and I think like I think I was aware of it and then like I think I got into a conversation this guy had was with uh, a, a few hot chicks I believe and. He was, he was a, a gay, hairdresser, hair, hair, gay hairdresser type. And so I was talking to all of them. And he was there. And I think he made some... I might, Maybe he didn't bring it up. Maybe I did. But whatever the case... Uh, I, I want to say his name was Albert, I'm pretty sure. And I, it, we basically got to a conversation where he offered to do it for free. If like cause He didn't cut hair. He was just a dye person at this, this uh, salon. Uh, it was on the east side, like 64th and fucking madison or something super high-end neighborhood and yeah super expensive place for sure and 
uh, you know, based on my broke ass budget. Anyways, they were all astronomical. But this place, I mean, I want to say like haircuts were like a hundred bucks of this joint if you got them normal. So he basically offered to convince one this chick Darby who had cut my hair for for years to do it at a discount or to do the first haircut for free. And she would later she kept gave me a player's price the rest of the time too. But he would have her do the hair cut for free if I'd let him dye my hair. And that's how I got the frosted tips that time that I briefly had. With <laughs> yeah. So like, I remember how, like, I, I have a picture of it somewhere. I'll post it. Oh, that's great. I have that picture. I'll post this picture on our socials of me with the foil things in my hair and shit. <laughs> I took a picture because it was pretty hilarious. And the only time I've ever had my hair dyed like that in my life. So uh, yeah, I did. I did have these, but that's what this guy reminded me of. <laughs> and the game target renegade. So like you get the you get the story set up. Some dude tells you to press fire to rumble, which is a, I fucking love that instead of press start or whatever. You know that's cool. But or press start to play rather. But it's I don't I mean let's see as far as gameplay goes. Like it's no double dragon for sure. Yeah. But there is some charm once I kind of got the controls down. You know that I don't know. I mean they they. In the same way, Double Dragon Two kind of accomplishes a lot with a limited control set. I think it does a little bit here. That's a higher delivery than what your expectation would be for two buttons and a D-pad. You know what I mean? So, so I was kind of mildly impressed about that. But graphically, it's pretty ugly. I think like your sprite and animation are dog shit. And every enemy in the first level was the same identical sprite, which like they didn't even bother with color palette swapping. It was just the same fucking thing. So I was turned off by that. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Like I feel like Double Dragon took a step forward and this was like a back step back type thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first one of these was not good either. I didn't like it, but yeah. the the you know, bunch of motorcycle guys in it, you know. And I think it's a thing too. I think I think both in the first one and this one, probably later, I think you can get you can actually acquire the motorcycles and ride them in the stages, which is a cool mechanic that you know is 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 cool. But you got to get further in the game than I was able to to embrace that or to engage it rather. So that's Target Renegade, and then we have fucking this game. Dude, I hate this fucking game. LGN's Marvel's X Men, and. It's actually We're playing called, this for the game app, right? We're playing this for the game suck app. Suck so. fucking dick, Jay. This is actually <laughs> called the Uncanny X-Men on release, even though yeah. it's, it's been out since December. So they don't even get the fucking name of the game right in here. And just, yes, oh my, just fuck them for this game. It's a 60% of the power meter, and I think that's being very, very, very generous. It's a top-down, vertically scrolling shmup in format. And, I mean, dude, this era of X-Men is absolutely fucking lit. The team is Wolverine, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Iceman, Storm. And we're talking about Storm with a punk mohawk, too, which was yeah. the coolest version of Storm, you know? So, you know, Wolverine's a, a, a fucking, it's a, he's a given, it's an easily my favorite X-Man, but I think Colossus is a sneaky second. Like, Colossus came in and out of the X-Men world yeah. a lot, actually. Like, more than I, surprisingly, I think he should have, because I think he's one of a very cool character. Like, the whole thing of turning into titanium and shit, that's a very cool mechanic, you know? So... I always loved him a lot. So I felt, yeah, because he was underrepresented and because I liked him in the comics, I was excited that he was in this game. And I remember running it and the game. Oh, my God. It's just the polar opposite of lit. (laughs) You want to like it so bad. You want to like it. It's, it's, oh, God, man. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's, a, it's a, the game is the opposite of it. It's fully fizzled, a pissed on ice cold strip club matchbook. That's what this <laughs> game is in comparison to lit. Like, dude. It, it, dude, it's it's also it's got a couch co op mode too. Which fuck man, like a co op 
X-Men from this awesome era of the comic would have been epic if it was a good game. And it failed oh, on every count. Like, like if <laughs> I try I tried it again and again. And if I'm like Cyclops, it's okay because I have a projectile, I can shoot things. If I'm not, then I'm like up close and I'm just like, am I hitting you or am I getting hit? Yeah, the hitbox I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> Everything is erratic. There's fucking all sorts of fuck the flickering and shit because this shitty ass fucking idiot. Yeah, it's just oh it god. Work. Yeah, I got burned so badly by a rental of this as a kid, and I fucking hate LJN for it. This is <laughs> uh, sounds like you have not resolved those issues to yeah, this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I, like, from LJN to work through this. Somewhere. Right? Yeah, I might have rented it more than once when I was still young and stupid enough to be overwhelmed enough by good marketing to make idiotic decisions like that. I knew were going to turn out poorly. Like that's, you know, that's, and yeah, so I was wrong multiple times, I believe by this game and like, Oh God, it's just so fucking bad. And I can't, I just can't believe they botched that property. Like that is just such a, Well, I think part of it too is I don't remember when the arcade version of the X-Men came out. But that game was so great. Probably. That's all I don't know. Like because the arcade was so great. A little before this, but yeah. it, it's the arcade game is great. And yeah, it's the same. It's the same too. It's the same characters. I think Colossus is in that. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's all the same characters. That's why you kind of had hope. Like okay, this is going to be fun, but it just no, it doesn't. Probably, it can't do the same thing. They probably licensed the arcade version of this. Would my guess? Because yeah, it is the exact same team. Come to think of it, I believe. But it so. just doesn't. They yeah. it doesn't come together. You're not fighting people in a like Streets of Rage type of side scrolling format, like it should be. This doesn't work, and the I love that. The entire time I'm not talking and you're talking about it, I'm gritting my fucking teeth, dude. <laughs> Moving oh. on, X Men. Say, oh, fucking game. Next is some horse shit that was flung at us through the bars by the Acclaim Monkeys in February, and it is Destination Earthstar, <laughs> which does such a good job of ripping off Star Wars without actually technically infringing on LucasArts IP that I mistyped the name of this as Destination Death Star. Dude, I did the same thing. I was like, is this a Death Star? <laughs> like, they did that on purpose. Yep. On. <laughs> yeah, they did it on purpose, for sure. The thing pictured is a Death Star. Or is the Death Star, rather. Yeah, so yeah, I was looking up on Moby Games, and I... I that's what I typed when I did it. Just fucking again, Freudian slip. And this, yeah, this is what you get when 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 a claim, a licensing chop shop of a publisher tries to do an original game, right? And the power meter is fifty five percent, and I fired it up, fucking just beyond thrilled to be doing so. And this game is cool as fuck, dude. <laughs> this game is cool as fuck, dude. It is super fucking cool. It's a cockpit POV flight sim, and it has a like a cool an effective radar system that I was able to sort the controls of like a pretty fucking complex weapon and propulsion systems on intuition alone. I did not, I did not read the manual. You can warp around the weight of the radar and there's planets and ships to deal with when you warp to places. And the enemy I encountered was a straight up, again, going back to the, the ripoff component of this, it was a straight up a wing knockoff. So, you know, they fucking they were definitely just directly ripping off Star Wars shit as much as they could that the lawyers said they could get away with. And like I only know that I'm not a Star Wars person, but I, I know that was an A-Wing because I used to I would play uh, an early PC game, like a mid-90s PC game that was a flight sim. They were called like there was TIE Fighter, I think, and X-Wing maybe was another one. And they were fucking they were really fucking good games. And then I also had Rogue Squadron on N64, which was mind blowing on the graphic front at the time. So you know, I played enough Star Wars games to know what I was looking at. And um, you know, 
that's what definitely this is that <laughs> this doesn't look anywhere near that great of course but like the systems are well enough done to overlook it all like it's super interesting and unique and i you know i don't know about a game app but i considered or rather considering i expected like literally nothing from this i was pretty fucking blown away man i was i was really impressed I, so. I, I will never believe anything you say about the types of games you like anymore. You're like, I hate flying games. Multiple flying games you like. These are fun flying games. Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> That's early points, dude, that I'm willing to look at it up, uh, objectively and, and, and take them into account as each their own little problem sets, man. That should be, that should be that commended, not rated, Jay. <laughs> fine, fine. That's fair enough. I was surprised. I mean, definitely worth taking a look at, dude. I mean, you know, it may not, you know, it's it's the kind of game that I'm sure isn't for everyone because it is like a, a rather kind. It's not just flying around shooting shit, which some people probably would want and expect of a game like this. But uh, I was intrigued for sure. And then we have that Asmic tennis game we were both impressed by in the last Game Pro. After that, and they give it a 67.5 on the power meter, which I think personally is kind of shortchanging it on the on the tennis game scale. And then we have Hal's Vegas Dream that dropped in March. And this is another fucking casino sim. So many of these. Like, it's kind of shocking how many of these are. Yeah. And they give it a 62.5. And there's a decent amount of effort put into the presentation of this, I think. Like, the, the title screen and stuff. But, I mean, it's just fucking casino games and fuck that noise, you know. Okay. Meh. And high tech's adaption of game show win, lose, or draw is next. And <laughs> like, fuck, man, I, I can't think of much that is less suited for the NES adaption. You know what I mean? Like, right? like, like, like frantically drawing, which is what win, lose, or draw is. You have a, you're timed, you're, like you're you're given. It's kind of Pictionary-ish. Like you're you're given a thing that you need to communicate to your team, and they need to guess it, and you have time on so you got to frantically draw something and like you need a stylus or some kind of precision pointer control. Like you're not going to frantically draw something with the fucking NES controller. It's not happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, so. but that's what makes this worse because you're identifying a computer drawn thing. Like that's <laughs> what makes it worse here. Like that's even less fun. Like who wants to do that? You know? Uh, yeah. Why are we splitting up teams to to guess? Like this is yeah, no thanks. Do you not draw it in there? Am I am I misremembering what? what no, that's it? what it says. It says here's fun for the whole family. Identify a computer drawn object before time runs out. Uh, I because I they didn't have the technology for for you to draw apparently with your cursor yet, or at least maybe they tried it and it was terrible. So that's why it's computer. Drawn. I think you might be misspeaking there. I think when you play PvP in this, I think you draw this. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm that's not. what that's what it says in Nintendo Power. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe they changed it on actual release. I don't know. Or maybe even Nintendo Power just didn't bother to play it when they fucking wrote it. Very possible. <laughs> so they give it a 55 on the power meter and you don't often see much lower than that. So that's not a good testament. And then we have some more game show bullshit from high tech after that. MTV's remote control, but that is thankfully not out till May, so maybe we'll never have to deal with it. I don't know. Maybe we'll never see it again. <laughs> Although MTV Viacom, I feel like that's not the case. They probably spent some marketing dollars on it. So sure. we'll have to deal with it. But we get Konami's Top Gun sequel at it coming as next. And it's listed here as Top Gun 2, but the release titling was actually Top Gun the Second Mission. So again, they're getting titles wrong on a game, you know. And the the blurb mentions a split screen two-player mode, which is not in the first, and that sounds pretty fucking cool. So I was like, okay. And it also touts adding a barrel roll move roll move. And 
that is like I, I have the card and uh, had it as a kid and I have it again just even though I know it's not a good Ooh. game I, I got it I think it may be in a, a package of stuff I probably wouldn't have sought it out specifically or maybe I still had it in my NES collection with Ted I don't know whatever I have it and like the thing one of the things that is my biggest gripe about it like I remember not being able to turn past 45 degrees and that really, you know, like a flight sim, like that's fucking, that's a severe limitation, you know, for turning and like not being able to turn faster than it just, you know, it was one of the really bad control weak points of that game for sure. So that was, you know, they took user feedback and improved upon it in two cases. That's cool. And they give it a 76.25% on the power meter and that's pretty fucking high praise. So I never really fucked with this and despite owning the first. So I did fire it up. Did you play it? I did. And I surprisingly did not hate it. Like, it, I feel like if I read the man again, if I actually took the time to read the manual, I might like this game because I was actually flying and shooting things down. Like, it was kind of fun. Kind of fun. I don't know, man. Like, it was all right. Cool. I didn't really say I loved it, but it was all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, I'm not saying it's a dumpster fire or anything. Like I said, I, you know, I, I will play the first one, even though you can't fucking refuel and <laughs> stage three. But yeah, so like, I don't know, man. Like, if you're really into this shit, like, you might dig it, but I, I, I was not. Yeah. I don't know. Like the game speed is right, and I guess it looks fine, but it just isn't fun. <laughs> it just I, I expected fun. it. I expected to hate it, and I didn't absolutely hate it. So I was like, <laughs> okay, that's all right. That's all right. Accommodation. I did not absolutely. <laughs> and then we have a Data East joint that dropped in February: Dash Galaxy and the Alien Asylum, and that is a wild ass name. So I was kind of peaked a little Ooh. bit by it. And it's an action game with both side and top-down viewpoints to it. And that's kind of interesting. The power meter is a meager 61.25%. That is not very exciting. So I plunge myself into the volcano anyways. And yeah, man, it's like it's a it's a that is a pretty quirky little intro cinematic where you roll up to a rocket ship on a, like a barren lunar surface in a little convertible Cadillac Cadillac-esque car, which is kind of fun and cute, reminding me a little bit of Space Quest kind of vibe. Roger Wilco, Space Quest, the the Sierra games, point and click games, which are fun and 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 mildly humorous, but the game is an absolute trash fire. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I was momentarily intrigued by the top down thing going on at the start, which was kind of a little Adventures of Lola like, you know, like push a bush to get in, you know, like like some little puzzler type thing, but the side scrolling part was horrific, <laughs> like like absolutely horrific. So. Can't recommend that one. And then we have that wacky ass pinball game. What, did you, did you have something about that? No, no, I was just saying, yeah, I had no desire. I, I looked at the name of that. This is, strictly from the presentation in the mag, I was skipping Dash Galaxy. Like, no. Really? I'm not even, the name made me go. Like, oh. like, if I pulled up this magazine and I'm looking at this and you're trying to get me excited, I'm just like, no, no. There's nothing about that. The power meter, the picture, the name, <laughs> that all just spells like, some stuff you threw together in like four weeks and we're like <laughs> let's let's get this out on the market a plagiarized project for sure <laughs> the so yeah then we have that wacky ass pinball game from ntvic it's a terrible fucking company name and we saw that a while back rock and ball and they give it a 57.5 on the power meter which is probably about right and the last page is a total no-fly zone it is electro brains puss in boots which is what? described. You didn't love Puss in Boots, dude? Up, bro. Which is, <laughs> it's described as, this is in quotations, it's described as good for someone that's just starting out on action oriented games. And I was like, okay, this is for small children and it's not any good. Got it. So 
I took it's the... very much a kitty game. Yeah. Like I didn't hate it either, but it was very yes. like yeah, yeah. very even even the music like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> like it was very just kind of like happy. I don't know. Yeah, baby, baby's first platformer. <laughs> Shooting yeah. little like bullets at whatever flying cat with like a knife was coming at you. I don't know or sword. It was I don't know. It was funny and cute, and we're never playing it again. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then they have a couple of Fisher Price games by Game Tech that are clearly for teaching borderline infants how to start cognitive function. <laughs> so I, of course, didn't fuck with those either. But I'm sure they did. A, I'm sure they were great learning tools. <laughs> you have to go out and spend $60 on that for your fucking toddler. <laughs> to, to At that play. point, you just want Nintendo games like you want every game that's out there. Like, exactly. There's no justification. <laughs> And then we have NES Achievers coming at us next, and we only have a handful of Ohioans in here this time around. We have Thomas C. Wesley of the Dirty Natty. He rocked out on some old-school Galaga with almost 900K, which sounds like a lot for Galaga. And then we have Michael Campana of Poland, Ohio, which I'd never heard of, and he did 5 million in Guardian Legend, which there is a score, but that's another game. You're talking about Mega Man. Like, I wouldn't even think to pay attention to score there, but whatever. And then we have Michelle Summers of Seabus, cracked four million in Robo Warrior. Do you know Michelle? Jay? <laughs> no, I do no? not know Michelle. Too bad, bro. You could have borrowed her Robo Warrior cart. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we have one Rusty Odell of Mingo Junction, Ohio. And Rusty has vanquished the Dragon Lord and restored peace to Tanagel in Dragon Warrior. And that makes him a brother in arms in more ways than one. So, with Rusty's accomplishment, and more importantly, the geographic location of it, that brings us to our Ohio geography lesson for this issue. (laughs) And what is your guess, Jay? Where is Mingo Junction located? Mingo Junction, dude. I'm thinking this is either... It's not going to be south towards West Virginia, because I know that area. I feel like it's got to be... I feel like if if it was north on the way to Cleveland, then I would know that I would have heard of it. So it's got and but I've also driven to New York a ton of times. So it's got to be. It's got to be like. Like north of Dayton, south of Toledo or like. In between, I don't know, it's got to be up there. Northwest. Yeah, it's got to be up there somewhere. I'm thinking. Okay. in the nowhere zone. Uh, so that's wrong. The <laughs> Mingo Junction Southwest, like east of Cincinnati, maybe. Also wrong. Mingo Junction is a village nestled on one of the easternmost parts of the Ohio River in Jefferson County near Steubenville. So central and east, right, dude, literally right on the border of West Virginia. So like I was there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I don't. I don't. I don't think it. You know, I'm sure exactly where I said it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, like you were talking about driving to New York and like from Columbus. Do you take seventy for part, yeah. part of the way? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I ever drove from Columbus. Well, I probably did actually. In any event, yeah. I mean, I would think seventy probably blows right by it. I'm sure it doesn't have its own fucking. <laughs> yeah, there's no ex- sign. Ex- yeah, it doesn't have it. Doesn't have an X sign for Mingo that. Junction. Yeah, yeah, Mingo Junction would stand out, right? So the population was thirty-five five four at the time of the two thousand ten census. So just three and a half thousand people. Its nickname is listed as Little Vegas for no logical reason whatsoever that I was able to glean from the wiki. There's yeah, there's nothing about gambling at all mentioned otherwise. So fucking weird. And their motto: it's an underground house like 
gambling ring go- that goes maybe. on that people just that's part of their community maybe that that is honestly the most logical like justification for it that i didn't come up with anything better so we'll take yours and their motto is there's no living without cornelius ray so i read that and i'm like I don't know who Cornelius Ray is, so I'm looking through the wiki, and there is no other mention of this man's name in the entire wiki for the town, including that there's a list of notable people, and there's no explanation of why this is the motto. So I googled his name and the town name, and also turned up zero returns. So what in the fuck? Who is fucking Cornelius Ray? He must be the guy that runs an underground fucking uh, casino. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah, maybe Somebody the best Somebody from guess. Mingo Junction. We gotta find out. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, gotta try it. Cornelius Ray, if you listen to this podcast, shoot us a fucking email. ISOHG podcast, whatever, gmail.com, whatever. I'll say it later. <laughs> or like the Facebook page, whatever, bro. And <laughs> so... On a more probably interesting to you topic, someone who was in the notable people list was Woody Hayes, Jay. He's of Ohio football, Ohio State football, rather fame. He coached in Mingo Junction at one point before becoming the Ohio State head what? coach. What? Yeah. So wow, that, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing they had going, again, besides the casino. Sure. And, well, no, check that. That's a lie. So they they so best best picture Academy Award winner, the Deer Hunter, which stars De Niro, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, and Christopher Walken was filmed at the steel mill in Mingo Junction. And it's basically the steel mill is basically why the city was founded and is the main, if not only reason it became an incorporated village at all, is because of this one steel mill. So they filmed that there. And there were there was another, it was either one or two other movies that also filmed there. So pretty, you know, I don't know exactly why that would be the case. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I honestly even from a producing standpoint, like like Ohio did not have a tax credit back then. I just cannot come up with a reason why they would have chosen this place. Maybe somebody see. was going through there and they saw it and they were like, "Perfect, this is the place, man." Right. Yeah, and back like, and back then, really back then, a, a director could could get off with that. Like, just be like, "Nope, gotta have that. That's the one. <laughs> we gotta go to Mingo Junction, or I'm not the doing the scene." Movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. 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 So. That wraps up our How Jerry, if you listen segment, brought to you by your mom. NES Journal is next, and uh, they have a lame trivia quiz first, then the Nintendo Power Jersey Design Contest results. And they show, did you look at this? Did you really pick this apart, Jay? So they show eight designs that were some of the best and say that Jack Ra of Clifton, New Jersey won, but do not specify which, if any, of the picture designs are his, right? So... They also say that as soon as we run out of the current jerseys, new ones will be printed based on Jack's design. So I don't know. I'm just curious if that ever happened. And like the only thing I can come up with is that like they wanted to keep his, that they didn't put his here and they wanted to keep the secret because they were going to, I don't know. They didn't want to have their fucking Jersey design sniped, you know? (laughs) So I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. 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 I'm curious if they ever got printed because they're putting the qualifier here that, they have to sell these other ones first, you know. <laughs> you know that we always, that we always see Howie in, and like, I don't. That's not a very appealing model. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look like Howie. A little on the Nintendo World Championship Tour comes next, announcing the game cart they're using for the competition, and then some of the latest video designer gear. And they have a bike alarm here that sounds incredibly obnoxious. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show hitting VHS, which is kind of hot. I would have been excited about, maybe. And then a hard plastic Game Boy case that Jab did have. 
and I remember I remember him sporting around. And it's got like a little fucking strap uh, on the shoulder, like a shoulder bag kind of deal, you know. And then they also have maybe most notably in here the four score, which was the wired version of the infrared NES satellite, the four player thing, right? So they have the actually I, when I was back home, I fucking got on my uncle's case, and I it's it's sitting in a box. On his, I flew Spirit Airlines home, which I don't know if I've ever done. It's the shittiest. Oh no! Don't. Yeah, it's so fucking bad. They're the only fucking airline that had a direct from LAX to Cleveland, though. The only one, oh, wow. which is fucked up in so many ways. So yeah, the hopefully the last time I ever have to fucking fly Spirit, it was such an awful experience in every possible way. They like they constantly try to back you into a corner on things and to chart to up to, to uh. make it like this constantly. It's just like gross how often they try to do it to you. Uh, it's, yeah, so bad. Anyways, you fly Spirit, and you can basically only pack a fucking sandwich baggie of shit is, is, uh, unless you want to pay them more money. And, like, because it's such a shitty airline, I refuse to. So I packed accordingly. And I literally, like, the, the box that the infrared satellite, or the infrared, that, that the NES satellite that my uncle had it in to ship, I literally could not fit in my bag to bring home. So he still has to mail it, even though I was back home, which is funny. You just do. I carry it. So I, I, I found that new mutants 98 that I sold. I had to, I literally put it in a shopping bag and carried it. I couldn't fit it in my bag either. No, no, I probably wouldn't have wanted to, because you don't want that to get fucked up. It's like a collectible, right. but like, I literally put it in a fucking plastic grocery bag and carried it like, you know, like a precious thing all the way through the airport on the plane, other, you know, and the ride home because I, I couldn't fit it in my luggage. So, that's yeah, crazy. Experience. Anyways, the whole point is Ted's Uncle Ted's sending me the fucking NES satellite and I cannot wait to get it so I can stop having dogs rip the fucking shit off my thing. I'm super stoked to finally get it. But this was the wired one. <laughs> and then they do their celebrity profile and it's on Sarah Gilbert, the ultra snarky middle daughter on Roseanne. And the only other thing I can think of her ever being in is High Fidelity, which is hands down my favorite John Cusack movie. Do you know High Fidelity, bro? I don't remember it. I know I've seen it, but it's not, High Fidelity it's not the, my favorite, so I don't remember the details. It's the one where he's he's constantly ripping off top fives for things. He he owns a, a record store, and like him and his oh, buddy, they yeah. constantly do like top five this, top five that, top five, you know, and it's like a clever little mechanic. I mean, it's based on a book. It's not like they fucking made it for the movie, but uh, the, the, the book's pretty good, too. But anyways, she was in that. She played the girlfriend of the weird little uh, buddy of, of Cusack's. The not Jack Black, buddy. And it actually makes total sense going through here and looking at her career because she's apparently from Hollywood royalty. Her grandfather was the creator of sitcom legend The Honeymooners, and her older sister scored a star on the Walk of Fame, being the daughter on Little House on the Prairie, which was a a show my dad watched that I fucking hated. I did not know that. My mom yeah. watched it, so I hated that show, but watched yeah. so much of it too. Oh, so on Sundays Michael, I would just search Michael show Landon. Like, yeah, oh, I yeah. Fucking, I, the second I saw his face, I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, that show's terrible. But it was not thought as terrible by many people. I guess big deal. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you know, she's like, what that translates to me is like, she didn't need to work. Like, you know, like. I don't need to work, <laughs> you know, like, especially with the Roseanne thing, like I can do whatever the fuck I want, uh, yeah. just off the residuals of that plus family money. So she does offer a hot tip for the first Super Mario Brothers. If you're big, you can just kamikaze right through the dragon, i.e. Bowser at the end to save the princess. So <laughs> great tip, Sarah. She has, she has a painfully forced series of quotes about a boy in his blob at the end that was so weird and clearly just 
forced down her throat. You it's know? a great idea for a game. Like, <laughs> yeah. Idea for you. yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, just such an, you know, I don't know, like such a weird, there's no way yeah. she had played it yet. It wasn't out. You know, there's just no way. And the way that she's talking about, yeah, it's it's clearly force fed, spoon fed to her for sure. Yeah. But it's, I mean, she still gave she still gave low low reviews though. So like, <laughs> she did play it, but she's like, yeah, one and a half on gameplay control. That should yeah. tell you a lot. Did you? I don't think I clocked that. That's actually that's funny. I didn't. I don't think I clocked that. I think I must have weaned off her, the paragraph before I got to the end of it. Maybe I don't know, but. So then we have Pack Watch, and it gives us a look into the future of NES game packs. Next, and we have Ninja Gaiden 2 in here, Crystallis, we already mentioned earlier at the CES thing, and Rescue Rangers, Maniac Mansion again, Castlevania 3 again, and that's just some of the upcoming heat covered in there. And then we have some back issue order in action, which I used to just stare at this and wish I could get them all. <laughs> look at those cool covers. I need them. They got yep. great tips. Yep. And then we get the next issue tease, and they're teasing final, more Final Fantasy, a bigger uh, thing on that. And then Dino Wars and Barai Fighter and Super C. Those are the big things. And then the Final, final Fantasy's blurb reads, you'll need all the help you can get to get through this epic RPG adventure. We'll unfold the story before, rather behind this massive quest. And I can see the few pages in my mind already without having opened that issue in quite some time. Like, that's... <laughs> This this feature in in in, in, in the next issue is, is fucking hot for Final Fantasy for sure. So that's exciting. And then we have the thing I've been bugging everybody about on social media and via text message for the last week. The 1989 Nintendo Power Awards ballot is the last thing in the issue here. And we will now cast our ballots. So we can refer to them later when the winners are announced. And the first category is Best Graphics and Sound. And... Let me get the nominations going here for this. We have dun, 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 dun. DuckTales, Guardian Legend, Mega Man 2, Ninja Gaiden, and Strider. And so we got, so I, in addition to, we'll, we'll say ours here, we'll, and, and Jab finally got his in last second, a little twat, <laughs> right before we had, even though I've been asking for them all week. So we have all three of ours to talk about, and then I also encouraged listeners to send in results and we actually got and despite you know it, it took some bugging but we did the google form thing i think streamlined it and made it easy for people and we got some pretty good engagement on that so well, I'll, I'll also throw in the kind of the field basically which will also include <laughs> it'll all the, the number the, these percentages will also include our votes too so it's like okay. the full They're all up yeah yeah nice. so yeah the first category is best graphics and sound and uh, that's one thing I would say about the the nominations. I don't feel like Ninja Gaiden belongs here personally. Like I think like it's a great yeah. game, and I think the cinematics are beautiful. But I think yeah. the in game stuff isn't kind of you know, and, and I'm sure it's there because of the cinematics, I guess. But the in game stuff is pretty messy, I think, and I and I think that's mis misplaced to be here. But I could, anyways, I could go either way for me. Go either way for me. Jay, what is your selection for best graphics and sound? Pretty sure I chose Mega Man Two. With uh, DuckTales is like a second, close second. Word. I can actually, I guess, pull them up here. And yeah, you Mega Man 2. And then Jab went Ninja Gaiden 2, so he's leaning on the cinematic thing. I went DuckTales here. Yeah, DuckTales is close. Very yeah, close. DuckTales look great. And the, the field chose Mega Man 2 with 57.1%. 
Nice. Yeah, we had a, a little bit of Ninja Gaiden and DuckTales uh, coming up after that. But, I mean, it's probably a third, no, less than a quarter of, of the 57.1 that, that Mega Man 2 got. So, pretty nice. I mean, it's, it's graphics and sound. You know, when I think about what games do I resonate with, was it fun, and, like, those songs ring in my head, it's those right. two games. Mega Man 2, DuckTales. Ninja Gaiden's more just, like, the cinematics, but not, like, I'm not... I don't recall the music and all that. Ninja Gaiden has good music, I think, but it's it's nowhere. It's not as good as Mega Man 2 or DuckTales for sure. I totally agree there. So the next category is best challenge. And it's actually, it's it's like, you know, I posted that initially and people kept writing that challenge things. I thought the first comment that's that. Oh, man. It's that best (laughs) challenge. I was like, I thought it was just like a robot that, you know, like I didn't, I didn't. I didn't notice this in the magazine. So yeah, they're missing the H in the yeah. mag. It just says best challenge as the as the category heading. And yeah, I did I hadn't clocked so that. Yeah. So the first engagements of the socials is like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though when they find things that we don't notice. And it's like, right. hey, what? Like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Very fun. So yeah, so this this actually brings up a minutiae debate to me, you know? Like like does best challenge mean most challenging or most enjoyable challenge and because it, it says in the description it says yeah. not too easy not too hard you know what i mean so like the actual I criteria feel, for this yeah. it, it's tough because i i think i went Mega Man 2 again because it definitely is a challenge and even when i replayed it again through the Mega Man collection that i own on xbox now like zion actually was playing it again last weekend and like it's still a challenge when you get to Dr. Wiley's castle. Like, it's still a challenge there. And so, like, but at the same time, I know Ninja Gaiden is probably even more challenging. Notoriously, like, it's more like, challenging. Difficult, sure. yeah. yeah, but it's, but I think it also makes me, it makes it less fun. So I think I would still go Mega Man because I think maybe Ninja Gaiden's is, it's more challenging, but like, Right. I don't yeah, know if I, that's I, the best challenge, though. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And I think their qualifier of, you know, middling the not too hard and not too easy thing. I think that to me meant, yeah, exactly that. And I, and I think, and honestly, so like Ninja Gaiden won in a landslide here mm. in the in the field. But I think it's because I bet people didn't read that. You know what I mean? That that's my and that makes sense because they're especially just, if you're going fast. You're like best challenge, freaking ninja guy. Yeah, precisely, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so yeah, Mega Man two for you. Jab actually went Tetris here, which is interesting. I think. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, I went Mega Man two as well. And then the actual percentage was fifty seven point one as well. Actually, for best for best challenge. So next category is best theme comma fun and this is another one that i think like requires a little bit of thought to decide what your criteria are in my opinion and it says this is based on the storyline and catching your imagination in quotations so i let that guide my decision and what did you go with jay based on that i'm gonna guess that you said dragon warrior and i went with ducktales affirmative and jab actually went (laughs) Man too. Okay. So yes, nice. very, very, very correct. Um, the the like t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be it for me, but it, it was so hard. The first one was hard. Like it was a hard game. So like it was it was fun, but it was also freaking hard. So the other games are more fun mm-hmm. <laughs> overall for me. Word word. Well, you're you're part of the majority, Jay. You are Ducktales. Uh, also at fifty-seven point one percent. 
which is interesting. Interesting. interesting that we keep hitting that number. And the next category is best play control. And this is one, too, that, like, I didn't think of. Like, there was nothing in the blurb that that guided me, really. I was just, you know, kind of thinking, like, uh, for face value what it was. But when I started looking at some of the answers, I, I thought it made me think a little more about it. And, you know, we'll get there once we get into the, the actual responses. I, what I would say for sure is I think it's very fucking weird that Stealth ATF is in all these lists. Or in so many of these lists, rather. Yeah. Like, Stealth ATF is, is a... Not a good game. <laughs> like, not even a little bit good. Like, look so. at that top 30 list. Pick any other of those. Games. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, just I... take the top 10 and shuffle them. Maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. So, We're going to hit more often than Yeah, that. I felt like it was paid placement or something, maybe. But, so, what was your, what was your? Uh, I'm pretty sure I went with Tetris here, because you're just you controlling blocks. That It just feels like an odd category to be comparing those, you know. Well, that, uh, that was my thing. Like, that's why, so I went with Mega Man. Okay. Here, here and jab one with DuckTales. And my thinking was like Tetris probably because, yeah, I mean, like Steve actually with the Franken Culture podcast also went Tetris. And there were a few other in there too that, that voted for Tetris. And like if, if you went on just like raw, I don't know, quantified data of like accuracy with input to on screen output, Tetris probably. That makes sense to me. But I think what you're trying to do, I think there's so much more nuance with a platformer, an action platformer, that is harder to make work well. You know, that the level of good control you have with Mega Man 2 or DuckTales, like, I think, to me, that puts it ahead of Tetris. And that was my logic there, you know. I can see Mega Man 2 for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, the field on that was Mega Man 2 with an even 50%. Okay. Yeah, and, and Tetris got about... And then Tetris and DuckTales each got about a quarter of the other votes. So, next category is Best Character, and they give you 10 Ooh. options here. So, which I guess, yeah, I've been reading the fucking uh, nominations. but So, Best Character options are... They have all four turtles each having their own thing i think that's lame but so they have all four turtles they've got zilla and then Mega Man and link and ryo hayabusa so ninja gaiden and then uncle fester and uncle Scrooge. uncle fester is a super weird one to me i mean he is a unique and fun character but he seems a little out of place i here. think from the i think from the game because the game was so fun like uncle fester's quest like a hard game yeah but it's it was a memorable game enough for me yeah. that like Sunsoft. you know what i mean that i'm recall it you know otherwise like other if if it wasn't for that game, it'd be like, what? This is random, but the game is memorable. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you want to put Turtles here, I think Leonardo shouldn't make the cut, personally. <laughs> Dude, I, you know what? As a, as a toy, and even when I would play, like, Turtles 2, 3, 4, I would choose him first because the swords. The swords are fun. Like, you're going to be slicing and dicing. Like, that's cool, you know? Personality-wise, no, but give me the sword. Swords are fun. Okay, okay, so... Who but that's not who I chose here. Was here, not, yeah. I mean, Michelangelo is a fun dude. He's pizza, he's cowabunga, like, I'm pretty sure I chose Michelangelo. <laughs> I liked Michelangelo the most as a little kid, too. As I got older, I became more Donatello-minded, because I like the... He's the tech dude, you know, and I think that's cool, but... As you can see with my Outriders choice, like that appeals to me. But my, <laughs> as, as a little kid, watching the cartoon and shit, I remember liking Michelangelo the most, for sure. He had the most... Uh, character. Yeah, so it just it, says it, best character. It doesn't say like 
the strongest or the whatever. It's just like, sure. yeah. It's a who, cool character. Like. Who do you like most, right? Yeah. The so yeah, Jab actually went Donatello too, which doesn't surprise me at all. And I went Uncle Scrooge here. I think Uncle Scrooge is super fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See that. See so that. the be- the best character, the top. This was a very as I mean, just having more options would would lend itself to this, but this was a pretty diversified thing. But it was it ended up being Link who got the most votes. Okay, he was going to be my second choice. I was like, nice. Link is hard. It's, he's he was number two for me actually. Okay, word, word, word. And the next category is best ending, and the options here are Ducktales, Mega Man Two, Ninja Gaiden, The Adventures of Lolo, which is a weird one to me. And like that makes me, I kind of like we kind of that game is fun, you know, it's a cute game and it's a fun little puzzler, and I've been intrigued by it from square one. The idea that it might have like a great ending never would have even kind of occurred right? to me. You know, so that that's super intriguing to hear. And then Zelda two is the last one. So those were the five options. And Jay, you went with definitely went Mega Man two here. Mega Man two. I also went Mega Man two. Jab in in typical cunty jab fashion, just abstained because he never beat any of the games, which I guess is responsible fair, of him. I, 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 I applaud that in a real world voting context. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess I shouldn't talk shit about it here either, but. In any event, that is where we went. And then the field was Zelda 2 by a pretty wide margin. No, second place was Mega Man 2. And then we got a couple evens with Ninja Gaiden and the Adventures of Lolo. Yeah, which got Steve with, with Frankenculture went Adventures of Lolo. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, Oh. Choice by him. So maybe we can ask him what the fucking what that game gets <laughs> like. It, it's like at the latter stages, yeah. So the next category is best PvP, best player versus player. And we got a whole new like this is like the one that's like the like yeah, there's a lot of overlap in the nominations and all the other categories. This is one that's kind of its own outlier and its own its own subset of options. So the games available are baseball stars, hoops, and marble madness, and then super super dodgeball and techmo bowl. So a lot of sports action in there. And Jay? This is a tougher one, but I went Super Dodgeball. You did, you did. Like Super and Dodgeball is fun, but obviously Techno Bowl is good. I, hoops. Yeah, I like Hoops, but yeah, yeah I, I went Super Dodgeball. Word. I went Marble Madness here, which I wouldn't be a surprise to any regular listens, listeners of ours. And Jab went Techno Bowl, which is nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. And the field... Chose Tecmo Bowl as well. Actually, sorry, no. Super Dodgeball and Tecmo Bowl tied. Ah, okay. And then Marble Madness in second place, and a little bit of Baseball Stars action there. Hoops had no votes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, in the last and biggest deal category is Best Overall, and we get another uh, kind of just like the more modern Academy Award category. They have an expanded number of options here with 10. And they have Dragon Warrior, DuckTales, Fazanadu, Guardian Legend, Mega Man 2, Ninja Gaiden, Stealth ATF, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Tetris, TMNT, and Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link. So those are the options. And Jay, hi, man. This is like this is one of the lesser suspenseful, suspenseful things, I think, for you. Yeah, I feel you already know where I'm going. Mega Man 2. Right, right, right. And Jab and I both went Dragon Warrior, also probably without much drama or fanfare to it. And... The field chose. Guessing Zelda. Mega Man Two. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's it's Mega Man Two, fifty percent, and then every other thing just had one vote. 
Wow. So yeah, very sizable margin. Two by a wide, wide yeah, margin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fan fade, so, fan yeah. So that is the 1989 Nintendo Power Award recount by the Imperial Schools of Honor podcast. When the results come out, I, I think it might be the next issue, maybe not. Whenever they fucking hit, we'll revisit these and see how these answers kind of compare to what the voters at the time decided. We'll see how much perspective has changed in 30 fucking years. <laughs> so that, uh, you know, that's that's. Nintendo Power 11, and what a great fucking issue. Uh, now we will talk about our nominations for what we're going to play from this issue. was the title theme from double dragon 2 bringing us into the nominations josh what are you thinking man what what is on the docket you want me to go first okay well it's obvious that we got to put super mario brothers in this conversation there's no getting around that so that's first of course and then i have kind of some oddball stuff for me some a bunch of shooter action or shmup action rather i have heavy barrel and super c and even with that thing behind you and me having put this there and given the options that we have in the conversation, you know, like we, we, we do these things in isolation, these lists, and then we come, we convene and we have conversations for four hours in some cases, sometimes less. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, puts cast things in different light and thinking about the fact that super C is on the next cover issue. And we've talked about that before having the reluctance of like, having done a game before it was on the like the main feature in the mag and like that's kind of stupid i think so i kind of want to omit super c from this conversation even though i wrote it down here at one point so what we're really talking about here is super mario brothers 3 and heavy barrel on my end and that's kind of a lopsided conversation (laughs) so you know those are my nominations that's kind of where i stand in them i think the heavy barrel co-op action will be a fucking blast you know so it's not that I'm discounting that. And, you know, honestly, Super Mario Bros. 3 is a lot. But it is Super Mario Bros. 3. So that's kind of where I stand on mine. Jay, what, what do you got What do you got for us? A very similar list. A very similar yeah. list. So I, I clearly said Super C at first, you know, for the reasons we said before. i pretty 99% sure I did not beat it. You know, I, I definitely played it thoroughly. I definitely did not beat it. So it would be fun co-op it. But yeah, I mean, if if it's a main feature in the next mag, then yeah, we we might be missing out on some stuff if we do it now. Precisely. Um, and then obviously Super Mario Brothers three, like, how do we not put it on the list? But then yeah, I'm like, it's a lot. Like, do we allow ourselves to skip worlds? Like, do we got to go world by world though? Like, I feel like that's going to take longer than two weeks. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I, I have kids. Like, I can fly through it. You know what I mean? But it's like there's so many levels. I, I don't know. So maybe right. we do it. Might take some more time. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's the the beauty of, of not having a Patreon is, <laughs> you know, I'm enjoying the stuff. It's not it's not that I'm like, not that someone's way on the edge of their seat pining for our next podcast episode, but like, you know, if we don't get to it, we don't get to it, uh, and we take another week. It's not a big deal. 
but it's 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 fun though because i playing through super mario 3d world like i said which feels like the updated fast forwarded version of a game like this that this came from it's yeah, kind of. It gives me the appreciation for like this game. It makes me kind of want to go back and play it. Even the music and stuff. So yeah. I, I, well, you know, here, like... here's also a format-based argument against it. Mm-hmm. Is you know not to say that we're going to do them, but like I'm saying, like magazine episodes on them, the strategy guides. But the strategy guide strategy guide isn't out yet, so we shouldn't be using that for Super Mario Bros. Mm. 3 here. And it's not like we have to fear not seeing Super Mario Bros. 3 again in these magazines. So it will be available to us every single episode for the next, maybe ever. Several months, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Until I mean, Mario World starts coming in uh, Revelation. Yeah. So yeah, it, you know, it's not going anywhere. So if we tabled it until that guide was out and then we could maybe use the guide as some of our... Obviously, a lot of the stuff we're posting and talking about, and we could use it. Um, could even maybe stream that with the guide, you know. So that that you know that talking about like that makes me also maybe kind of wanna. So what was your third though? What did you say your third was? My third was Zexies. Oh, no way, <laughs> dude. Because <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was into it. Like colorful sprites, why not? It's but yeah, the difference between when to do Super C and Mario Brothers and even Heavy Barrel. Like compared to that, it's you know there's a there's yeah. a gap. So. so yeah, maybe maybe we can convince ourselves heavy barrel on that, and then we'll have a couch co-op jam session, which is fun. And I can always couch that, co-op. That, that's so. that that's mindless stuff that will take your mind off all these taxing Ultima oh. responsi- responsibilities that you have that lay before you. So it will be a nice transition from that. Where Super Mario Bros. Three, I think, is a more involved. It's not. Clearly not RPG-ish, but there is just more involved. A lot more stuff, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in. I'm in the heavy barrel. I'm into it. Let's... Okay, so let's do heavy barrel. I, so more drama in this than I think either one of us, either one of us, could have possibly predicted. You know, more <laughs> more analytic thought devoted to it than I think we probably expected to. So cool. All right, let's let's do fucking heavy barrel then. That that's fun. Nice. And. So that will be next, and then the next issue after that will be GamePro issue 8, and we should have the next Ultima SideQuest installment before then, if Jab and fucking Jay here stop being sissies about questing, and you can subscribe to the pod on the platform provided by whatever dumbass company that shows up your pottery. Please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on that podcast platform of choice, or any other for that matter. The website is nyhentertainment.com forward slash ishpod. You can email us directly at ishpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod on Facebook. You can link to the YouTube gameplay videos playlists that are in uh, the show notes. And there is the ISOH subreddit if you want to get down with us on Reddit. And we do not have a Patreon, like I am always quick to point out. But if you like giving money to things podcasters tell you to and would like to do so at our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities. And that is cool as fuck. And ablegamers.org is where you can find them. Jay, what are your socials? Uh, Gentleman JB without the second E. That's where you can find me. It's my gamer tag. That's where you can catch me on the Facebook group. And my Twitter is at Josh Fallen. My Instagram is at my shift key is broke. My gamer tag is two minute Todd. Okay, bye. See ya.